and welcome to Game Brain, a board game podcast about our gaming group. I am technically your host, Trey Also, <laughs> and I am here but with, metaphorically not with the uh, the actual host, Tom Donnelly, working the board. Hey. And our executive producer who provided today's show notes, Ben Mandelker. <laughs> As in, I wrote five bullet points, everyone. So that really elevated me to a high stature in this group today. How did you say his last name? Ben Mandelker. Okay, so here's okay, the deal with my wrong? last name. No, there is debate in my family. <laughs> <laughs> is it Mandelker or is it Mandelker? So uh, my dad says it's Mandelker. My uncle says it's Mandelker. So I go both ways because I find that when people first meet me, it's not touching that one. It's easier. Come on. (laughs) Come on. Let me off the leash. I like I got things to say. I like to use this name in all ends. I. um, Oh, wow. Basically, he did it. It's easier. I'm a member of the LGBTQIA (laughs) community, and I will I will make these jokes if I feel empowered to do so. Um, No, but. uh. I will say Mandelker a lot of times when I first meet someone because it's easier for them to parse the syllables than Mandelker. For some reason, Mandelker is not that different from Mandel or Mandel. Like people can say Mandel easily. You add the cur to it, it like it goes crazy. You get Mandelby, Mandeklaker, Mandelby, Mandapaglaba. People go nuts. They can't say Mandelker. It's, it's like handle her. It's like handle her, something I've never quite done. Mandelker. But, you know. No, well, none of us have. <laughs> Clearly, <laughs> nobody at this table has. Handle her. Um, no, but Mandelker, but Mandelker is totally fine, too. I say, I say both ways. Along those lines, I sometimes am told that I mispronounce my middle name. Which is? Alton. Alton. It's Alton. Alton. It's, it's Alton Alsup. Alton Alsup. Yeah, so Inst- I am, it is not like Alton Brown. Correct. It's, it's, Alton. it's Alton. In our family, it's Alton. Because Alton. if it was Alton... Then it would be Alton also, and that's that way make, too easy. That would make sense. That is way too easy. But to my dad is Al. He's not all. You can, you can call you him can Al. You can call him Al. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know, what's funny for me is that my middle name is Edward. So my initials are B-E-M. But what happens is if I write my initials, people often think that I've just written a typo of my own name, which is its own right. set of, you and know. I, and I have Thomas uh, Dean Donnelly. And the only one anyone ever messes up is Donnelly. And even that's pretty rare. Why would they? How do they mess up Donnelly? Spelling weirdly. The no, weirdly, dwells. there is a there is a large number like people that don't uh, that that don't hail from European backgrounds, things like that. Sometimes will go Donnelly. <laughs> no. no. Oh yeah, no, quite quite often. <laughs> shockingly, shockingly often, I will get the Donnelly. I'm sometimes confused about whether there are two N's. Yes, there are two N's and two L's. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know that happens yeah. to me a lot. You know what? You know, okay, this has nothing to do with gaming, and I, I applaud our audience for Thank even listening. Thank you for sticking with us for this important content. But I will say, you know what word I struggle with, what name I struggle with is Philip, because sometimes there's two L's and sometimes there's one L, and when you have to look to see how many L's there are, because it's bounded by eyes, it can be really hard to determine how many L's are appropriate for that person's name. One thousand percent to the the novel the novel i'm writing right now has a section of it that takes place in the philippines oh no every time i write the philippines i'm like did i use too many p's too many l's not enough l's or not enough p's your computer just doesn't autocorrect it you haven't taught it the correct way he uses a typewriter yeah what are you talking about computer (laughs) ibm 
Today we're going to, in what is probably our final episode of 2023, we're sneaking in. Perhaps for some listeners, the final episode they'll ever listen to. (laughs) Right, written rightly so. It's the most wonderful time of the year. We are just fitting in our review of Evacuation before we evacuate the year. Yes, you're evacuating the year. <laughs> so smooth. So smooth. Really why, don't, why don't you host more, man? It's like amazing. You're these The bon mot, the, 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 the quips, the wit. It's amazing. I think the reason I don't host more is that I don't actually have the equipment. You have the equipment. Ben has his own studio. I've hosted a bunch on Zencaster, and that's been a disaster, and that's why I don't host more. But thank you. Mikasa. I hear you want to hear more from me. I do. Mikasa su casa. Well, here we are. Yes, we are. Indeed. That's we're really we're killing it, guys. Super excited Great to be work. talking evacuation. We have been, it has been on our, on, our, on our minds, on our tongues for quite some time now. Wanted to get it in. Yes. While we could in 2023. All right, Ben. Yes. Let's talk about some of your recent plays here. I see a list of, of games that I want to hear about. Okay. Well, uh, the first one that I would like to talk about is one that I played two days ago with our dear, sweet um, Jordan co-host jordan i went over to his oh, you place you played a game with jordan i played a game with jordan and oh, I lived that's awesome to, i lived to I jordan lived to took turns we, we, we tried to play a game with jordan oh what's going on agricola issues oh my god oh. we've been playing async agricola and jordan has been playing the way i always threaten to play but don't actually play he has averaged one move every 36 hours <laughs> oh no <laughs> it's and by the way that yes, that's an exaggeration. Yes, it is not an extreme exaggeration. <laughs> it's not that's, that far. That's We're, rough. I'm currently playing an 18xx game. One person is currently on vacation in Sydney. One person's in London, and one person's in Amsterdam or not Amsterdam, but in um. Those in sound like good reasons not to take a turn. So it makes sense why our game is going. Right. You know, it goes a little slowly. But you guys are all in the same time zone. We well, I thought we were. Well, and actually, we, you know what. Culver City is a different time zone than Hollywood, so clearly that is. actually makes sense. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Because it definitely takes hours to get here sometimes. But um, so, so Jordan's going very slowly in his game. No, let's game. talk about your game. Okay. <laughs> We've beaten up on Jordan. Jordan enough. So Jordan, uh, uh, first we played actually a game of Forbidden Stars. We played a two-player game, which was very fun. Oh, that's, that's one of Ben's dirty little secrets, his favorite. Well, I love it. And it was actually hilarious we were done in about like an hour and 10 minutes because in the second round, I, I mean, I was, I, I set up, the, we did a, the, the make your own map and I set up my map terribly and Jordan just stormed on in and just took over. And uh, in a two player game in Forbidden Stars, Forbidden Stars is basically a right. game of like space capture the flag. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And I basically put his flags right next to each other in low defended places. And I was so focused on trying to do the cool thing with my faction that he just was able to just walk in and do like a double, a double in one round, get both objectives. <laughs> and um, so the game was over in like an hour and 15 minutes. But nice. you know what, though? Fun. Like, that's fun. <laughs> like, how hilarious is that? You know? It doesn't sound fun. No, it doesn't sound fun to you. No, it was fun. I mean, you still, we still got to play it. We got to play with all the things. And then you immediately said, let's go again. No, we didn't. Okay. So we, we were like, that was fun. It was like a, it was almost like a silly little romp, you know? Like, oh, we just had like a little Supsana Forbidden Stars. How long is the setup on that game? Uh, I don't know. I never time my setup. It's not Voidfall esque, though. Around no. what, what, what time did you play that game with them? Uh, Let's see. If you need to cross cross reference <laughs> yeah. with your that was 
probably around um, 2.30 p.m. on Friday. Pacific oh. Hollywood oh. time zone. Yeah, Trey and I were sitting at our computers staring at a, an Agricola board that hadn't changed in approximately 12 hours. Wow. Yeah. Well, um, Maybe we need to do an episode on like proper etiquette during an async game. Something like, hey, I'm going to be playing another game for the next four hours, so like, yeah. just so you know. Or Matt. I'm going hiking, or I'm going on a plane. Matt said I'm about to get on a plane. Right. Good information. He's still stuck in. He's stuck in a couple moves after that. Even exactly. What? I think actually, when yeah. someone what gets a on a plane, what a mensch. When someone gets on a plane, that's exactly when you start taking lots of turns because they're if they're playing, if they're lucky and their plane has Ooh. Wi-Fi, then they are going to be. I know from experience. A lot of times, I tell my H and XX friends, I say, "Hey, I'm about to be on a plane. So if you guys want to do some turns, I'm going to be sitting in front of my laptop. So are let's you do are it. you paying for Wi-Fi? You paying days? thirty bucks for the four hours of Wi-Fi? Um. Well, I do the monthly plan because in parts Ooh. of the year, I tend to travel quite a bit. Uh, so it actually oh, works out quite well for me. Yeah. We, uh, really? Uh, someone yeah, has out-traveled you, Tom? You're supposed to be the travel guy in our I, group. I am the travel guy. I don't guy, mean to but, flex, but I felt like there was some shame coming my way. So no, I decided just, to back, I push it back with some flex. Yeah. No, you big dog. Well, well played. You big, know, you're big dog. You know, when I go on my tour across the country, a lot of times I'm flying airplanes. So um, do you, you, you use Bongo or one of those? For what, Boingo, whatever it Bongo, is. It's, yeah. American, Mer, it's Viasat, whatever it is. But anyway, actually, it's one of my great thrills. I think I talked about uh, earlier this year being on a plane with actually some of my friends. We were actually flying back from the East Coast together, and we all booked the same flight, and we were all sitting there playing 18 Ireland all in the same row yes. on 18xx.games, and that was a real joy. But anyway, the point is, if someone's getting on a plane, that is when you want to play your games with them, because they that that's they There's nothing are else committed. to do. Yeah. yeah. It's either that or watch a movie about a dog that gets killed, because that's always playing on airplanes. Okay. What, what planes are you on? <laughs> Have you not noticed the high percentage of... Of dog movies of that dog play death movies. Dog, well, because pretty much, like a well, by the way, every dog movie is essentially a dog death movie. Like you, true, right? Every dog well, movie is always engineered specifically to have the dog die at the end to make you cry. Is it well? Right. Let me make the argument. A f- good friend of mine wrote Air Bud, and uh, <laughs> there have been there have been, I believe, twelve of those movies made. Let me and t- I don't believe in any one of those. By the way. If they ever did, like if Airbud thirteen, Airbud dies at the end. Mm. Oh my god, that would be shocking. People you know, would it be. Could happen. They would burn down a studio <laughs> if that happened. Let me tell you something. There's a movie. I think it was based off of a book called "The Art of Racing in the Rain" or something like that. Or yeah. right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard of that. And it's Milo Ventimiglia, whatever his name is. With he has a dog. And let me tell you something. From the year 2019 <laughs> to the year 2022. It was that do- that movie was playing nonstop on like every airplane. Everyone would be watching, it. and I'd be like, "Why are you watching this? You're gonna make yourself cry on an airplane." And sure enough, there they are crying. I'm like, "There, there he is, slow dancing with his bride who has cancer." And there's the car, the dog, and the car, and there's the dog dying. It's just like the same thing over and over again. Why do people do this to themselves? Two follow up questions. Question number one: <laughs> Do you do you tend to be brand loyal to an airline? Do you tend to fly one airline? I do tend to, yes. But I've seen it on multi, multiple airlines. This, multiple is a, this was a movie yeah. that was made... Well, because the thing is, like, they've got... You all you can choose between many... Sure. That's the thing. You can choose between so many movies these days on airplanes, and people still gravitate to this dog movie. And I'm like, why do you do this to yourself? You know what's going to happen. You will be crying. So then question number two is, do you think that part of the reason that this happens is because the airlines know 
that if you were crying about a dead dog, you're not <laughs> flipping out and trying to open the exit at 30,000 feet. That is a very fair thing. I, I like to think the airlines are thinking on that level. I think they are just, um, they, they see, I think they only see, they see a dog and they see this is family friendly. Let's put it on there. But the point is, that's I, I why have I play my that, games that would instead. See movies that, that 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 worked for a company that was their job was to put movies on planes and in. And he wrote Airbud and things like that. Nope, different friend. Okay, um, but I do know that they did have a certain amount of we don't want this movie on our cruise ship or we don't want this movie on our plane. And sometimes that had to do with uh, with a wide variety of of, of issues like uh, planes with uh, movies on a plane with a plane crash. Obviously, no. yeah. it's a thematic. Uh, they tend not to like those issue. so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, Captain Phillips on a cruise ship, eh, not so much. They weren't. They weren't crazy about putting that on their on their boat. Little children, things like that. There are there are a wide variety of reasons that those movies are not going to be on those things. But I, I but I wonder if the, I think they do think about it somewhat. So maybe maybe there's something. We'll have to explore that on a future podcast. This is a podcast about well, board, board games. Board game podcast. <laughs> well, um, but that, there was a meaning behind that, which is that like it's better to play board. I think board games are a better entertainment alternative on an airplane than some of these movies. 100%. So anyway, the point is I was playing Forbidden Stars with Jordan, and uh, it ended early. So then Jordan was excited about he had just received a copy of Bloodstones, which is a new game Tell by Bloodstones. Martin Wallace, mm. Trey's new best friend. Ooh. Marty. 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 And yours too. I should. I apologize. Both of you guys. Your, oh, your new best friend, Marty. Um, so this game, Jordan had just received it, and he was champing at the bit to play it. But he was a little tentative to play it with me. Thank you for saying champing. Yes, because it is champing, not chomping. That's absolutely correct. Um, but chomping is accepted. But um, not by he, me. But Jordan was he was a little hesitant to play it with me because he's like, but just you know, Ben, this is a game that's like really it's like a conflict game, and I just was like, wow. I was no, I mean, because I've established some boundaries. I've we had a whole conversation, a whole episode, Trey, yeah. where we talked about direct aggression and what we like, what we don't like. You like Forbidden Stars? Oh, I had to suffer through a, a day of Western Empires with you. I I, re, I remember. Right? I remember. I remember. So, so I think he was trying to, I, 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 so initially I was like, listen, Jordan, you know, I would be open to play this, but I understand if you'd, if you'd like to play with someone who's going to be more open to like a conflict game than I might be. Mm -hmm. But then ultimately after we played Forbidden Stars, then we're like, well, you know, well, which is we're kind already, of a little bit of a yeah, conflict. It's game. very yeah. conflicty, but I, I enjoy Forbidden Stars because there's a lot of stuff around the conflict that I find to be very fun and interesting. Yeah. Like the, uh, action selection and the card management and the upgrading, I just really, really adore it. So uh, after that game, I was like, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I guess we've just played Forbidden Stars. I can get a little chippy. Why not? So we, we started playing this game. So this game is essentially, I think it plays, I think Jordan said, from two to six players. Okay. And um, you are basically, <laughs> you're battling. Uh, you're basically, it's literally a pure conflict game. You can make arguments that it has other elements, but it is essentially a conflict game. You have troops. Your opponent has troops or, or in some cases, some structures. And you are moving across a map and you are battling and you are taking over villages and you're building villages and you're building troops, yada, yada, yada. I'll get into some more of the details in one moment. But that's basically the vibe of this game. Okay. The board is very cool. The board is like a scarf. <laughs> it's what you know like this is like a newer trend in games where right. instead of like an actual board board it's now fabric so we have this like it looks like this scarf or pashmina that's like this big square thing that goes out on the table 
and you've got these different terrains and all of your soldiers or or uh troops or whatever you're using you can build castles or have like siege engines or whatever they're all dominoes and the dominoes the dominoes they they have an, like an icon on them some sort of depiction so you know what type of soldiers maybe it's someone with a bow and arrow maybe it's someone with a sword maybe in you know there are unique but there's factions. some hidden information there but you're saying yes like I, like so it's I, kind of stratego-esque where there's like blocking i can see that there's a token there I no, may no, be no. Able to when the token the... goes out on the board, right. you know what it is. But like you sort of you have a hand of like six tokens mm-hmm. on your turn, six dominoes. So yeah. they don't know what you have behind. It. And the dominoes So it's have... not quite a block game, because a block game when it's behind when it's in front of you, only you, you know. And right. when you put it out, only you know. Right. And so it's not strategic. So, okay, Got so it. it's not strategic at all. Got it. But what happens is so there's different you have different sort of soldiers and everything, and then on the left side of the domino, there's an icon that sort of shows how much it costs to put this domino out on the map. And by cost, it means how many dominoes from your hand do you discard to put this thing oh, on okay, the map. Okay. Sort of like what you'd see a lot of times with cards, like multi-card things. Sure. And then on the right, the dominoes have little pips. And those pips can be used to move your soldiers around the map. Or the pips can be used to build villages Villages are important because you can only put out new soldiers and units from villages. You also get a lot of points for villages. And um, and then also when you have a battle, so later on, you, as you move your dominoes around, there will be battles. And then there is a, uh, there, there's like, you're pulling from a bag. All your dominoes are live in a, in a bag. So whenever you refresh your domino hand, you're pulling from a bag. Do each does each player have a different bag or is it a common bag? They each have their own bag. Got it. Because okay. it's factions. Yep. You start with the same tiles, probably. No. Well, they're no because since they're unique factions. So I was playing uh, the necromancers and Jordan was playing the hill people, and so <laughs> naturally, <laughs> naturally, swamp, swamp list. It was swamp like, list. He was he was like he had two giant. He had some giants and he could go into hilly terrain, like more difficult terrain, more easily. But as the necromancer, I could summon an army of goblins. And if I killed his units with the necromancer, I could turn them into an undead and the undead had special movement. So we each had our own little thing going on. And basically when the dominoes are, when you, your units are in the same terrain, you're going to have a battle and then you pull from a different bag and you get like some pips from that bag and you add those pips to the pips of your units and there's going to be a victor, yada, yada, yada. There's scoring. Scoring pertains to the the villages that you have on the map. Like every time you have to refresh your bag, how many villages do you have on the map? That's how many points you get. You also right. get points when you win battles. It's like that kind of stuff. Right. So anyway, we when we first started playing, I was like, this is fine. There were some interesting decisions, like how, like, oh, I want to put this unit out on the map, but if I do that, I have to sacrifice valuable pips, mm-hmm. you know, or I have to val- sacrifice, you know, and these pips I might want to use for movement, but I also might want to use those pips to put out towns, stuff like that. So I was like, okay, interesting decision space, but it's also very abstract. And right. so I was like, I'm having a hard time kind of getting into this. Um, and again, it's like not totally my genre. Sure. Uh, for some reason, I decided to attack Jordan's giant with like a single necromancer, <laughs> and he just How'd that go? killed my necromancer, which made oh. me upset, made me very sad. Yeah, and then I mean, it was a beautiful neck. Just because it's a necromancer does not mean it's a bad person. So <laughs> I was hoping for a David and David and Goliath moment, but. You know, it turns out David was not a necromancer. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, statistically speaking, 
the David and Goliath moments tend to go one way. They tend to. <laughs> it's uh, memorable when they don't. The story but... <laughs> is a story because it doesn't really happen that way. So, you know, there was a lot of like things move. And, you know, there's a little bit of that thing that I don't like. Things go on the board. Things come off the board. But so at first I was like, it's okay. And then, you know, Jordan does Jordan does the thing where he's like, how do you like it so far when you're like 10 minutes in? I was like, it's fine. It's fine. And then like, <laughs> you know, that thing Jordan does. Yeah. He loves when, to check in. He's it's very adorable. Well, I mean, because he wants to make sure you're having a good time. Offline. He loves to check in. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's actually very sweet because he always wants to make sure you're Jordan. Having a good we apologize time. in advance. This is going to be a running joke for the episode. Continue. Yeah, he's going to be our, we're just going to punch down on Jordan the entire time. But like he, uh, no, but he always likes to check in, make sure you're having a good time, everything. So when he did the check in, I was like, it's like, it's fine. It's fine. You know, interesting decision space, but I can already tell once this game is done, whatever. Um, in the middle of the game, it started to become more interesting. And I think that what happened was for me personally, I was able to transition out of how does this work and the magic right. tempo more into like, what's going on with the map? How can I exploit things going on? And by the end of the game, shockingly, I actually was able to eke out a, a small victory over Jordan, which I'm like, I can't believe I won a conflict game against Jordan. Like that's, he is so good at conflict games. He really he is. is yeah. Like he sees, he knows every, he gets it. It's who he is. But it's, it's yeah. who he is. He's, he's a, he's a, he's a murderer as we've said many times, but um, no, but he, it was, so I was surprised that I won, but I was also surprised that by the end of the game, I actually really enjoyed it quite a bit. Like I really, really enjoyed Would it. Would you oh, okay. want to play this at six people? Um, I would want to play it out of fascination. What I, my thing was, I was like, I can't even imagine playing with any more than an, like, I can't imagine playing above two players because so much of the experience was like, Jordan's going here. So I'm going to go there. I had that chess like thing. Mm -hmm. right. And I can't imagine if I had to contend with a third party or a fourth party, but then again, It'd be a lot more chaos. Right? It would be very chaotic. And I think, but it could also be like hilariously fun. It could be like a TI, like a TI situation. I mean, Martin or doesn't, he doesn't, shy away from kind of like older school game elements like i think he's he's cool doing hey we're gonna have an engine on the board you're taking territory to build your engine well you know you're guard, gonna have fights guards of atlantis you know and things like that are basically very those those type of mini games miniature games are very old school a lot of ways a lot of times in the way that they're designed Guards has a very good design to it. It's a they the took, card system is really they took fun. A, they the took a lot really of fun. wonderful Euro ideas and and modernized the game play with that. But at the end of the day, the the essence of the game is is something that wouldn't look out of place on a game board fifty years ago. You know, a lot of that is, is still very similar. And Jordan Jordan likes those games. Yeah. Well, and this what what I really liked about the game because when it was over. I was like, that was more fun than I was expecting. And so I was like, this was really fun. And then Jordan and I started talking about the game that we just finished, talking about like the, the different things that happened and how he started off actually in a strong position and I was weak and he had built up really strong here, strongly here. And I was like, yes, but I saw that there was like a spot there. So I snuck in there. And then you came in here, like Jordan came across the lake to attack like an undefended uh, village. But then I went in with my necromancer and, and he only had sent like one person there. So the necromancer turned that thing into an undead. And then the undead went and had like a reign of terror. And then, and then we're talking about how like his giants came into my territory, but that became like a quagmire for him. And then I, you know, and then we were talking about, you know, we could, you could have had a completely different setup because you choose how you have your opening setups a la Catan in a certain way. Mm -hmm. And as we started talking about it, I started to like the game more 
because A, I really enjoyed that it actually told a story, like the story of our two battles, you know, like he had done X over here, so that caused me to do Y over here, and then that had a domino effect because that was just all dynamic between players. And I liked how, like, started to think about, like, oh, with different setups and different different arrangements, you can get a whole different a whole different story, a whole different vibe, or you can use your yeah. And how your, many like how many different factions are out there? I think there were a bunch. Yeah. There were a bunch. I don't I don't remember how many, but there were there were several. So it's definitely one that I would play again. I don't know if it's one I would necessarily buy because it's still not totally in my wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. But um, but Jordan bought it. No. Jordan bought it, and um, it it could be. I think that could be a really fun game that could live both in the space of both beer and pretzels, but also like real strategy. Oh, I feel like we have some future here of Jordan bringing this game. And when he brings it, we say, we want to play guards of Atlantis. <laughs> and when he brings guards of Atlantis, we say, oh, uh, have we played this enough? Which we should play something new. Bloodstone. Yeah. Actually, one of the things that could be a fun emergent quality about higher player counts is that you could start to get alliances and some very interesting table talk that you don't get in a two player game. Yeah, the I, th- I think the thing I would be curious about, like a play count of six, I would wonder is like, does it have some opportunity for simultaneous play? Because like waiting for six players, that sounds horrible. Yeah, that was kind of something that was going on in our six player play test with Martin Wallace of Daimyo. Yes, it was like, oh, that was a lot of downtime. Yeah. Whereas I like, you know, some games have started to address like, how do you play higher player counts? You have to have a certain degree of simultaneous play. You can't just be waiting for five people to take their turns before yeah. you go again. But or, the turns or, are, are relatively snappy. Yeah, that was what I was going to say. The, so, the, other, the other way to design around that turns. is micro turns. Yeah, yeah exactly. Micro. But yeah, but they're longer than micro turns, but, and, but they're relatively snappy. But then again, I guess maybe it did slow down towards the end as you're really figuring out like how to use your, use your, um, use your stuff. And there was some other point I was going to make about this, but I forgot what it was, but it was, um, it was surprisingly a very fun game for me. Yeah, well, the moment you get up into the four, five, six player count in that type of game, it's almost impossible to get the turns micro enough because you really want a rondel game size action, which is, oh, I go to this space, I build two of this, boom, mm-hmm. done, next, go, right? That it needs to be that elemental and that simple as far as far as that and so as the other five four four players are playing you're looking at what are my options what's the next one little thing that i'm going to do so when it comes around to your your you you take a quick look at what has changed see if you need to change your strategy but then you go yeah i did think the game was like a little long uh for what it was so maybe that would get exacerbated at a higher player account but i think you know higher player account could also welcome in all sorts of interesting but you're open to playing higher player count totally and, and coming back and totally this yeah. is one this you know what this was an example remember i talked about cosmic frog and how um it didn't like it didn't click with me but i was like but we also played three players maybe at six players it really comes to life this is one where it worked for me on a, on a lower player count and i could see the potential well conflict yeah. games in general should work it too because there's zero sum but you know what the difference is with cosmic frog the issue that i have with it with only one play so like grain of salt was that I felt like it had, um, it suggested, this was the point I was going to make, it suggested that you could do certain things, like you could lock away things in your quote-unquote vault, and then there were actions in the game that like destroyed your vault. And like there was sort of like enough Euro stuff in 
cosmic frog that I got like salty when <laughs> my Euroe kind of things got destroyed. Whereas this game is just outright conflict. It just right. establishes it knows what it is. It's, it's establishes its tone and its its boundaries very very well. So you don't even feel bad when you get when you lose a battle. It's fun. It's like oh, cool. you know, like with okay. a name like Bloodstones, I would not have thought troops on a map. Yeah. yeah. I was thinking Something more gothic. Well, is it, isn't there a CCG I'm, that's I'm very much of like it? Like gemstones in a bag, almost. Okay. You know, you know what okay. I mean. Like something Azul-like, or I don't know. I but can it, see but, that. Um, ben, what one other game would you like other? to talk about? <laughs> um, the only other one I'm going to talk about. That um, nice. by the way, you're you're doing a great job as host. <laughs> um, uh, the only other game I really want to talk about, which is, I don't have too much to say about it is Manhattan project two, which is, um, this is more of a game on the brain than it yeah. is a play. Uh, it was for, for cyber Monday. It was, uh, it was on sale for $22 and I just decided I was going to, I was just going to buy it. Pull that trigger. For, yeah. Because I played it once several years ago and I really enjoyed it. It's the sequel to Manhattan Project, as opposed to Manhattan Project Energy Empire, which I don't think is actually a sequel. I think it's just in the same universe. Correct. It, it has very different mechanics. Right. And so the original... And it's phenomenal. You mm-hmm. know, I really enjoy Energy Empire, but I didn't love it. I actually got rid of my copy, believe it or not. Yeah, I haven't played it in forever. It probably will be on my sell list eventually, but I do very... Every time I've played I it, yeah, play I've really it liked it. Yeah, is be willing to... work replacement, Luke Laurie? Or is that yeah. what I'm thinking of? Yeah. Um, <laughs> is it? <laughs> it's... Not Luke Lurie, Luke Lurie. No. but I will say the original Man- Manhattan Project obviously was about like the building of the race for to build the atomic bomb, and the big shtick with that one was that you have like all these little workers, and you put them out, and you're on your turn, you're either putting workers down or retrieving all of them back. Right. And in the original one, when you put a worker down, you do the action. Yeah, it is Luke Lurie. It's, it is Luke it's Lurie? Tom Jolly Luke Lurie. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So in the original one, you put you put worker down you get the action and then eventually you have to pull them all back in manhattan project 2 you actually put workers down but you don't get the benefit until you pull back mm-hmm. it's sort of zulkin zulkin in that way right but it has all sorts of strange or elements ap- or apiary like oh yeah Ooh, space, bees. Space, space bees it has all sorts of like interesting strange elements i, I remember being um have much heavier than the original Manhattan project. And there's weird things like you are trying to get presence on other people's player boards. Like you're actually sending people to other people's player boards and trying to take over control of their player boards. You're sending people, people build factories in their own player boards and then people can come to your factories and you're sending submarines to people's player boards because everyone represents a nation that has coastal water. So you can send your submarine into people's. So is that sort of vaguely like PAX Pamir even or no? I don't remember Pax Premier well enough to, because you send people no. around the table on that, like assassins or something like that, right? I mean, right, you of, can kill other people's cards in Pax Premier. Yeah. sometimes yeah. might be a stretch. Yeah, you can you can you can attack people's tableaus. Yes. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this is a game that came and went from like 2017 or 18, and I just decided it's cheap, and I feel like it does. I really enjoyed it, and it deserves a second look. So I'm really excited to get to the table again. That is your niche in our group. You go and you find these older games or games that were just overlooked and, mm-hmm. and, and missed by us. You scoop them all up, you play them, and you give us your, your verdict. And, and sometimes sometimes you come up with Red Cathedral. You sometimes. Know? Yeah. But I mean, not like Red Cathedral is the hidden gem. I mean, that was no, a but, major game, but like we just all missed it. We missed it. it. And, and by the way, plenty of people miss, you know, there's so many good games coming out these days. People are going to miss a lot yeah. of stuff. 
I just think that like looking back at Manhattan Project 2 and knowing our group's play style and everything, I think that it would actually go well with this group. I think the fact that that you are you are sort of engaging with everyone's player boards and there's like these three there's three different scorings that happen during the game and every game you it's variable which one score in which order, so it's going to affect how you do your game. I don't know, I think it, I think it could work out well. We're going to see. Cool. In the spirit of games games on the brain. I have a New Year's resolution. What's that? Ooh. So my New Year's resolution is actually to teach more games. Oh, great. Okay, because I feel like I've been, I'm spoiled. Yep. In that we got a lot of people in our group that are really good at teaching games. Some people like Matt who actually enjoy reading rule books. Oh, he loves it. And I don't. Yeah. Generally, I don't. So I can be lazy. I can let a lot of people in my game ecoverse play games and kind of make recommendations and then teach teach them to me like and that's nice that's very nice but i feel like i haven't been holding up my end of the bargain because i do teach games but it tends to be the filter tends to be i learn games here and then i teach them to family members when i go yeah, back yeah. to texas or, or something like that but anyway so i'd like to learn and teach more games and kind of in the spirit of that i started to look at like games that were getting like games that I have interest in, like Daybreak has come out. Yeah. Like I clearly I'm the one that needs to learn how to play Daybreak and, and teach it yeah. to people. Um, I saw some reviews for you taught me uh, White Castle very recently, so you're, you. But don't, I you got don't... it. But that's I was somebody else taught me first. Okay. That was not yeah. a from the from the from internet the or the from the rule book uh, type of thing. I need to actually be the initiator on, on some of these, but it's also the case now. Wait, why uh, do you feel this way? By the way, I'm just curious. Why do you feel this guilt? I feel like I'm a lazy jerk, and also there were some games that I wanted to pl- like. I want to play Daybreak, and clearly I need to be the one to teach it because no one else is going to. So, like, hey Trey, it's your turn. Kind of the way you shook me at BGG, and it's like, hey. You've got to teach a game at BGG Con. <laughs> you got to believe in Daybreak. And so I went and found someone to teach me Apiary. Right. Okay. But that's that, immediately that's, taught to Apiary. Right. Yeah. So that's not really breaking the cycle of violence. No, it is because because <laughs> BGG is a super time sensitive situation, and that was the quickest way to fulfill right. your remit. And then I taught you Space Bees. But I guess Space so, the, bees. so I want to learn Daybreak. But it's also just like I'm realizing like there's a lot of games games that I want to play right now. Like I want to learn Forest Shuffle. I want to learn sea salt and paper. Um, yep. These are games that have gotten some good reviews here at at the end of the year, but they're also games that might be good for playing with family members, maybe, yeah. and, and relatives. Yeah. These games are on um, BGA now; they're on Board Game Arena, and I think you can play them solo. So, like, that's my New Year's resolution: is to learn games, probably by using Board Game Arena as the you know teaching method. Method, yeah, and, and go and go from there. So, but those so are all games. Sea salt and paper is like a card game, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so. My, it's showing up on some end. end so of the Trey year is going to learn how to te- is going to teach us a card game, and right. then Tom, when the next Vitala Serta comes out, you can do that one. Oh, thanks! That's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So <laughs> standard, usual. Uh, I have a resolution as well. I want to create a game challenge for myself for the new year that I actually fulfill instead of I fail miserably. On that one. So I'm I'm introducing Tom Donnelly's 2024 two by two challenge. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I'm going to pick two games and I will play them twice over the course of the year. Actually, you know what I would love to do after um, really after we're high. talking about our plays, but before evacuation, <laughs> I would love 
to it's the end of the year. I would love to go through some of the stats. I've been tracking every single play since January 1st. I would love to read some of the stats from my app because uh, I haven't looked at them. So we'll see like what, like what game I played the most, how my 10 by 10 challenge was. I don't know. Is that, you feel like you've done an accurate record of yeah, what yes, you played? Absolutely. Okay, all right. Yeah. yeah no, no, he was, he I think was, it'll be quick. I think it'll just be a fun He was crazy about it. He was always like, okay, so and who won yeah. that game? And what was the scores? Okay, and you wrote them all down. I just am curious what those stats would be. Anyway, Candace tracks her plays, I think. Uh-huh. Jordan rare. does too, I think. Yeah. Okay. Candace definitely does. Yeah. 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 So we, I mean, actually, I, tr- I tried for a short period of time to do that. And then I found out that for, for me, tracking these things is a thief of joy. So I did not. Do I that. never, well, I only track, I only track um, the game, who played, and who won. I don't put down scores. I think scores would then take it to a competitive place that's like not. Like, that's not my vibe. Yeah, the, I think the only thing I'm tracking right now is how long um, one person is taking in a game of Agricola when we play ASIC. <laughs> that's tracking minutes. The, the t- you know, time, the, time taken on during your game, that's the stat that matters to me. Well, you know, I mean, people have stolen things from me. <laughs> but I can always go out and I can buy those things again. I can always, mm, you know, make more yeah. money. That's yeah. something I could do. More time? The only thing that you can steal from me that I can never get back is time. Yeah. It's, it's hard. Now, this is something you want to do next time or you, before Jordan. we do evacuation? I just figured I'd do it now at the end of the year, but like if we are going long, I can I can table it for the next episode. I'm ready to talk about evacuations. So if you wanted to do this. Oh, I now, thought you were going to, I thought you had another th- No, that was it. That's all, that's all I've, I've got. I mean, Tom, do you have any recent plays that you were excited about or you wanted to talk about? Or you... um, the only thing I want to bring up is, is it's actually not a, a recent play, but it is, uh, you know, a couple of episodes back, we announced that we have a contest to yes. win a new copy of Soul. So I wanted to reiterate that that was, a, that was out there. And when you were talking about um, different games, games that are a little off the beaten path, games that people knew about but a lot of people hadn't played and kind of missed soul is absolutely the soul death of a star sol is 100 percent that kind of game it's the game that that just kind of missed a lot of people but people should should know about it and should play it and this deluxe copy that you can win um listen to that episode come in and uh and Throw your hat into the ring, man. The right thing to do what is to email us. Yes, contact contact at at gamebrainpod.com. And put put contest in the subject line, is that? I think that's what it is. Yeah, contest. So we And you're supposed to tell us some great experience. What was what was the actual thing we wanted to hear from you? Nothing? Just (laughs) apply? Or I thought there was actually like tell us about a great I'm not the the host of this episode, (laughs) Trey. <laughs> Email make an appeal. And, make an appeal. Uh, put for, some put some words in. Just it. I believe I, it I, if I if I remember correctly, I believe it is it, it is describing. Just tell us a short story about a great game experience you had. Yeah, that, there it is. Thank you, host Tom. Yeah. <laughs> That's good to know. It's a team effort here. It, it is. Yeah. It right, well, is. in that case, I will let me do my stats real quickly. I'm pulling up the right, app. The stats are see. being pulled up. Okay, we're gonna see. It's basically year end. I'm, mean, of course, I'm gonna play some more games between now and the and the end of the year. So while that's um, going on, I will say that I think that Soul, because it plays very differently than most of our Euro games, because in some ways it's a very simple game, right? It, it, it's complex in the play, but not so complex in the teach. I think that I may try and bring that as like a little family game that we play over the holidays. Uh, okay, bring it home and yeah, I think and, it's a great and, family and, and game. Try it out. I really do think it is. Yeah, it's. Mm-hmm. 
very interesting design that doesn't take it doesn't have a lot of rules overhead when it gets right down to it. It's it's fairly simple. I think it probably shows like where your family is in terms of playing games because like I'm going to go visit uh, I'm going to Portland or, or Oregon for Christmas mm-hmm. some new family members so I'm kind of at square one where it's like hey new people with games so I'm looking at more like wingspan. No, I'm looking like just one oh, wavelength. Oh, I think okay. these, these this is the level you know wits and wagers. This is kind of the the level I'm at. It's not a wingspan. Okay, but Wingspan is, you know, a game that is that beautiful and that great to look at. People will take take the time to to sit do. down and learn it a little bit. Yeah. I actually agree with that. Actually, a game I'm about to mention that I think would be a good one for the family. So, stats. I've played 212 games this year. Right? That includes some of the, some online ones. Um, Ooh, uh, online gaming. Just, mm. just a little bit. I, I figured, you know, that was time. That's how my. You think those would it. be fast? Well. <laughs> It depends. It's rough. It's rough. You Actually, know, different time zones can be hard, and yeah, you guys are going sure. through that. So uh, I played 137 games. 67 of those. Wait, games. you said you played 200? Well, I, I had oh, 212 did, plays. Mm. Ah, 137 games distinct, to, games. distinct games. 67 of those were in my collection. So I got to play. I, that was actually pretty good. I got yeah. actually half of those were. were so you're tracking own. your collection as well. I didn't even realize I was actually tracking that until I saw it right now. Mm. Okay. The most played one. Do you have any guesses? Avalon. Yep. Yeah, I'm not even gonna let you do it. 17. <laughs> played it 17 times. Did not get to play it this past Friday. I, are, are you still doing a Friday night game nights? Yes. Okay. <laughs> You've just not been to... disinvited. No, no, no. I'm just. Uh, it just feels like it's been forever since you've had one. No, I know. It's only... I, I missed one one week, and then we had two weeks which we had it, and then the month of November I was gone for a yeah. No, month. I'm just joking. I was there two weeks ago. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. I, you haven't been you haven't been able to have them as consistently as you. So, have so past. crunching those numbers though, you said you played 160 something separate games. You played 210 so so games entirely plays plays entirely, and you have almost 20 plays of just one game, meaning. There were only 40 other times where you played something more than once? Not even. Yeah. Well, I can say this. Uh, numbers two and three, uh, they both were tied. I played those games five times this year. I've tied there two games I played five times. 1830? No, I've actually never played 1830. Isn't that wild? Oh, my <laughs> God. That's crazy. <laughs> Um, that's amazing. Do you have a, do you, do you, are you a guesser? Do you like to guess? You don't have to guess. Forbidden stars. No. Um, evacuation. Evacuation, obviously. Yeah. Five plays. And the rich and the good. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Okay. So those are two and three. Number four was 18 EUS. I got four plays into that, but I was also doing it. I was, uh, you know, I was doing a play testing for that. And number five was actually 18 M 1822 MX with four, which was actually tied with the red cathedral and robo trick. So, that was actually one through seven. So those are my top games. The top, you know, it wasn't going to be the top five, but it wound up being top seven games of the year. And then in terms of my my uh, my ten by ten challenge, this was sad. My ten by I don't know why I decided to do a ten by ten challenge, and the games I put on it <laughs> are actually so I put the games ten, ten games that you play each one of them ten, ten times. In my mind, I was yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. And there, and there was only one game you played more than ten, more than nine times over the course of the year, and that was Avalon. No, well, yeah, there's only one game that I played more than five times. Yes, and that was Avalon. That was Avalon. Yeah. But um, so the games I put on here were games that I either really like and want to get more plays of, or games that I feel like there's more depth there, and I want to explore, and I want to, but it's sometimes hard to get to the table. So, Food Chain Magnate, I played zero times this year. How is that possible? <laughs> 
Guess what we're doing on Friday? I would love to play Fujin <laughs> Magnate some more. Like, let's get that on so the So done. You finally got Horseless Carriage in. I did get Horseless Carriage in. So but done. But Fujin Magnate is actually, like, that's a game that should be relatively easy to Chef's play. Chef's Kiss. It's a, it's a perfect game. It's amazing. Forbidden Stars. I have two plays of that this year. <laughs> you just <laughs> got one in under the wire. <laughs> nice one-hour play. Imperial Steam only once. Mm. Oh, but man. My, maybe another time. We've been promising Jordan we're going to play it. Do you think that the reason Jordan's taking so long with his turns is he's punishing us for never playing Imperial Steam with him? I would respect that, but no. Okay. <laughs> um, leaving Earth played it zero times this year. Not surprised. That's a hard one to get to the That's table. That's a hard one to get to the table. I have it back here. Yep. Magnate the First City. I played that once. I got one play out of that. That's your game. I really you enjoy it. I really, well, really enjoy that game. By saying it's his game means that he's the only one that likes it. Uh, well, Trey liked it. He champions it. Paul liked it. Candace liked it. You know, the thing is, the reason why I want Did they to ex- like it or did they say nice things so no. they could move on? Well, you know, some people understand joy when they see it. And they <laughs> they did. But, you know, the truth was the reason why I put it on there was because I really wanted to explore the, the bubble system to see if the bubble system had some emergent strategy with it. So yeah. um, on Mars. You want to play a bubble game? Crisis. I actually that's the bubble game so far. Yeah. Um, On Mars, only played it once. Okay. Still? Roads and Boats, zero times. Sky Mines, twice. Tragedy Looper, three times. And Twilight Imperium, two times. So I have a total of 12 of my 100 plays. It's not a great, not a great turnout. But so how's how's my two by two challenge sounding to you? I think that's what next year is going to be. It still sounds like a challenge. (laughs) No, I could. So. Three that, by three. That was a joke, but <laughs> but would a like it, realistically speaking, I think a four by four challenge is probably the sweet spot of something I that is hard, that is actually surprisingly harder to do than you think. Giving based on my stats, you see, I only had seven games that were played like four or more times. The other thing that's tough about it is that. Like if we were simply counting like games we reviewed, yeah, we would make that fine. It's like the nature of the four by four or something like that is like you're going to name games going forward into 2024 yeah. that are from the past. Yes, because you that's you know unfortunately for us like we're often reviewing new games. Yeah, so like going back to play something like but, you know like a splatter is tricky. Like, but then what is the point of these challenges? Is the point to be like, oh, I set this challenge and I did it and I won? So like, yeah, you can do like a four by four. Well, and you there do are it. games. But I feel like the game. These are the challenges. You are should to be identifying wanna... games that you need to get under their skin. Yeah, that, that that's that, why that, I chose that wacky list. Yeah, yeah. That you know, a lot of the the best things about the game don't start to emerge until you've you've right. got some better understanding. But what Ben's saying is, is that the the challenge is yeah. much more important than the completion of the challenge. It's the it's the right. it's it's making you mindful of the things that you want to do more of, right? Exactly. I think it's I think it's really at best for those moments where you're like, what do you want to play? I don't know. And you look at the challenge and you say, okay, maybe we can do one of these games. I think that's probably its best use of it. But I also think there's a middle ground where maybe you also want the joy of being able to complete a challenge. And you don't want to make it easy so that way you win the challenge. Let's say you won the challenge. That's like those Kickstarters that have a goal of $500. Like you want to like, you want to like, maybe like the four by four or five by five. So that way you are inspired to explore games more. You will but, not do the five by five challenge. I'm telling you right now, four by four, I think is, is four four. suitably difficult. We're going to do given, four by four. Given our schedule and the way, the way our game nights and the, the things that we get in on a regular basis happen. That's well, this my podcast my way before I was even on it. 
did ambitiously try to have some sort of five by like a like a six by six a six by six we did six by six yeah i mean yeah. maybe it's time to bring back the collective channel. we did not we did not nobody's ever made any of these no let's make that's one that's why i'm saying the two by two challenge Listen, if we did a four by four and you put imperial steam on there i would say the odds of us completing that are less than 50 percent I love Imperial Steam. Though. I don't think we but could I'm do just, it. You know, I would see the optimism is really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is the, we're at our most optimistic right now. But getting in four plays of Imperial Steam look, in a year would be hard. I I think if I think if we set a three by if we set look if we, <laughs> if, if two by focus. two by two challenge is a joke. <laughs> three by three challenge reasonable. is hundred percent reasonable. Too, like almost too reasonable to make it to call, to put the no. word challenge into the. Here's into the how sentence. you do it. You have competing challenges so half the group has one five by five the other half has another five by five so now you're not just motivated <laughs> to do some sort of challenge you're actually motivated <laughs> this to, is gonna to cause paul to, to lose another organ the <laughs> other you're trying to beat the other team <laughs> this is how you people are, get hurt you are <laughs> you are creating situations where people will be having fist fights about what game we're playing because everyone gets a game everyone gets a game on the list no because they're no because they're not no what i'm saying is 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 at this particular game night, there are eight people. There are four people that are in one five by five challenge, and or three people that are in a one five by five challenge, and only two that are in the other five by five challenge. And we need more people to play this game in our in, in our five by five challenge. There's no way. There's going to be hard. It's going to be bedlam. Divvying up into two groups for two games is already like difficult enough. I think adding this complication. I think I think it's. Right, I think let's consider something it for the next let's year. Let's consider it. No, we're not going to consider it for the next year. We're going to workshop it, Ben. If you don't want to be part of it, you don't have to be part of it. Let's just reiterate, Ben. You don't have to be part of it. On your ten by ten challenge from last year, what game? What was your what was your end tally? I believe you said two well, games. Oh, oh, of just oh. two games, which you played none times, zero out of ten, and yes. your and your best best result. Was one game three, that you played no, three times? Yes, Tragedy Looper, yes. One game that Wait. you played three times. Four by four but, is a challenge. But the thing is this, though. If I have, <laughs> but if I bring it down to like a five by five or a four by four, those other game plays, those dedica- those plays I dedicated to other games now can become more consolidated and focus on the on the main games. But but ben, do, you, do you hear based on, a based five on by what five, you were saying? A five by five challenge is 25 games. Yeah, so but you're, 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 you're talking about competing half five by five. This is one of those cases where what he thinks he's saying versus what we're hearing. Yes. Are, these are different. Yes. yes. I guess what I'm trying to say is yeah. I am trying to look for answers to motivate people to go deep with their games. And what I'm hearing from you two is that you you just don't want to open the door to optimism. That's what I'm no, hearing. No, yeah, That's no, what I'm it, hearing. We, we are trying to inject realism. <laughs> I might sign up. I might sign up for a four by four, but I would four need. By, I would need four by four situation. I, I I would do a four by four as long as there was some control of the list. What and, about and not competing four by fours? Where okay, where wait, here's wait, here's a weird twist. Okay, because otherwise, if you have competing four by fours, then the four by four each person on each team is going to like only the teams are only going to play with themselves to to try to win the challenge. Right, right? that's gross. So what if everyone submits their one game for like a four by four, and then like an outside party. Chooses the teams, but we don't know what team we're on. Yeah, we'll know immediately because that's the only game you want to play. The, the problem is, like, you need a list of the four <laughs> games, and then you decide whether you can do it or not. Because if there's a single game that I don't want to play on a four by four, then it's not going to happen. I'm not going to opt in in the first place. Yeah. Right? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know. 
Evacuation. Okay, evacuation. <laughs> let's move on to let's move on to All things right, that are actually you're... more useful. All right, let's let's talk about evacuation. I'm glad we're getting this one in before the end of the year. All right, so the stats. Same. Evacuation. This is the new game from Vladimir Suchi. Apparently, this was Suhi. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, I'm an American. <laughs> this game at one point may have been called Hexodus. They have that down as an alternate really? name here. Mm-hmm. Um, the art the artwork was done by Mikhail Peichel. Again, Tom will correct me. I, 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 no, Published the, the glare by you gave games. me, the <laughs> nope, glare you gave me, didn't. has shut me up. I can't I'm say anything at the now. Sheet. Uh, graphic <laughs> design by uh, the same Mikhail Pickle. and the weight of this game: three point nine seven out of five. That's it feels low. Well, but then that's I bet. Hot, but it's about the highest game I've think I've ever played. No, no. Three. What's in the fours? What, Arkwright. Have you played Arkwright? I. Have technically played Arkwright, yes. Arkwright is like astronomically high. Okay. But <clears throat> wait, so is that a? I'm, I'm asking genuinely because I don't really pay attention too much to the BGG scale, even though I did know that Arkwright was heavy. But like, pretty much that, every game is in the three range okay. that we plays. And it's just a question. Yeah, but you said this is three as well, right? Three nine seven. Three nine yeah, seven. Void, Voidfall is four five eight. Okay. Mm. So there's pl- there are plenty that are way higher, but the ratio of of heaviness to joy, I think it's heavy. that's a different number. I, I think, yeah, I think it's heavier than that. Is what I'm saying. Okay, it's one of those things where it's like, well, does the heaviness come from rules? The heaviness come from strategic choices? That's something we can discuss. All right, so th- I'll do the like. The, it's the, just so you know, Arc, Arc Nova is a three seven four. <laughs> that's Arc Nova. Yeah. So I think three eight. Is what you said for this? I think this is almost like earthquakes, where you like you go when you jump from three seven to three eight. Like that's a substantial. Guys, just want to say we're putting out some great content today. <laughs> <laughs> we are crushing it, crushing it. You know, I, well, we've talked about before many times how the weighting system on BG uh, on BGG is a very difficult thing yeah. to right. to parse because. There is the rules weight. There is the play density, right? There's all sorts of different things. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't think this is a particularly difficult game to teach or learn or understand. The rules overload, rules overhead, I don't think is that high. Correct. I think that the decision space is extremely high. Is, right. is extremely high. And that and that's also like I tend to like that. If the if the reverse is true or it's high rules overhead, but the decisions actually aren't that interesting, that's probably not a game that yeah. that's gonna it's gonna last but, for me. But 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 Trey, what what is evacuation about? Yeah. Since I love the, the the narrative behind games. Trey's all about story. I am. Always has been. All right. I think the story of this game is great, which is that we are all kind of representing different factions on Earth, old Earth, that we are leaving. The jig is up. Earth is collapsing. (laughs) We have to relocate to a new planet. Technically, the sun is expanding, and it's going to destroy. Not our fault. (laughs) (laughs) Earth is doing fine. It's not collapsing. Sure. The sun is Okay? Not our fault. The sun is too. When what we are doing in this game is we are taking all of the people on Earth and the economic infrastructure that sustains us, and we are moving it to a new colony. All is a strong word. <laughs> okay, well, that's aspirationally new, <laughs> we are trying to a new planet, if you will. Yeah, to a, to to a new planet. And so, what makes this kind of like distinct in my mind from other board games I've found is that you have an engine yes. of old Earth that you are beginning with. You have an economy have, and an economy, and you have zero engine and economy on the new Earth. But that is the game: is you are dismantling your old engine and. 
building a new one and how you sequence this deconstruction of your old engine in order to build the new engine over the course of only four turns mm-hmm. is an incredibly complex question, but also is the, the meat yeah. of, of the game. Uh, yeah, four rounds, not turns, but yes. Rounds, Correct. sure. Yes. Right. Yeah, that is the gist of it. And and by the way, each each tur- each uh, each round, you're probably only getting four to six turns. Yep, it's not. There's there's a, a a very small number of actual actions that you take in the game. Yep. So you're on your turn, as as Tom has alluded to, you are playing a card mm-hmm. in order to take some actions. Um, this starts to have more meaning when you actually can see the game because you're you're either like choosing a slot where you're going to take an action by placing the card or on your player you, board on your player board or in the more advanced game some the cards can actually have actions on them which you're choosing to play mm-hmm. but the idea is you're going to do one thing then it's going to be someone else's turn and part of the economy is energy in in order to take more than 3 or so actions Per game, you have to start increasingly spending more and more energy to take additional turns. So it's almost like a soft cap that keeps you from playing infinite yeah. Yeah. turns. You could theoretically, theoretically, you could you could play ten turns, but you but what happens you is can never you, afford it. <laughs> you have to like the first few turns are are free to being cheap, but later on the energy cost for those turns is destroys you. <laughs> Pure energy. It's, that's really what right, you want. So the actual like resources in the game are fairly straightforward. But there's food, there's energy, and there's steel. Material. Material. Steel. Yeah. Steel abstracted into steel, quote unquote steel. Do, do they really call it steel in the game? Because it's basically just I think it's steel. But yeah. Yeah. But it's yeah, it just represents like what you're gonna do to build, yada yada. It, it keeps it keeps things very simple, but again, kind of like the trick is that these resources are either are either on the old world or they're on the new world. And a lot of the things you want to do in the game require resources from the new world. So you're either transporting them or you're building infrastructure on the new world in order to do this. And so you're often, it's a very difficult question of sequencing of what actions do I need to do in what order? This is just to manage your own game of relocating your own population and infrastructure. And that's before you start to get into the complication of racing with other players in order to kind of like settle certain more desirable parts of Mm -hmm. the new planet or achieve certain milestones. Um, There has, you know, there has been a little bit of criticism that this is a multiplayer solitaire game. I think that there is a certain amount of heads down of managing your own economy, but we're finding, especially when you've kind of folded in all of the optional elements of the game, that there's, there's actually quite a bit of player interaction once you're kind of like at full speed playing this game and and settling you know the new planet we we found that there's a lot of races there but this yeah. is a this is this game is hard yeah <laughs> listen, I, hum- is humbling. I hate i hate multiplayer solitaire games i yeah. that on the record everybody knows that i love this game so it, it should tell you that that the way i play this game um the harder the game is especially in terms of just trying to figure out how to survive in this very very difficult game it is going to mean that your first play is going to be very heads down and mm-hmm. is going to feel a little multiplayer solitaire. The test of the game is once you get the basics of how to play the game and your head comes up off of your player board, what level of nuance and interaction happens then? And we found it to be quite rich. There's yes. a lot to think about because I am competing for buying spaceships to transport things. I'm competing to buy stadiums, which are going to be things that are going to make my population happy. Yeah. Uh, like well, a, I certainly keep my people happy. I don't know about, I don't know what you guys do. 
Tom my loves happy. to have stadiums. I do. I'm a big, big, <laughs> That's because huge stadium head. Turn order matters a lot. Yes, it does. Which is if this were a multiplayer solitaire game, it would not. Correct. Correct. Uh, you're you're grabbing industry cards that are going to be boosting and and jacking up your new world uh, industry and infrastructure, income and infrastructure, infrastructure cards. Yeah. Infrastructure cards. Thank you. Um, uh, there are you're you're going to be moving your satellites from the old world to the new world and. In turn order, you are going to be grabbing up uh, ideal spaces for those satellites to be that are going to unlock let's, extra. Let's expand that out. Sure, when please. you're talking about s- satellites, one of the things that I think is actually really beautiful yeah. and distinct about this game is that you have the old world and the new world, and you have this S-like track that is going to track your the progress of your satellites, which is kind of just representing like how far has your infrastructure advanced towards yeah. – Towards shifting your population and your energies towards the the new world, and like how far you advance on this has major implications as far as uh, um, my old economy is shutting down. I'm you know I'm shifting to the new to the new economy. There's rewards where on there you, where you can build in the new world. So, got first of all, everything in this game is fascinatingly intertwined. So mm-hmm. as we describe these things, like. Uh, it's going to be a little hard to set up the context without just getting in the weeds of it. But in the new world, as you try to, as you settle into different locations in the beginning, you only have access to the tundra Yeah, and um, easy to settle, but low reward, low reward. And uh, as you are able, as the game progresses, as you go down this track that Trey is talking about, the progress track, you new biomes open up to you. So then you can start building in the desert and then the forest and then the ocean. And as you build into Which these, are richer. Right. They're richer. So when you build in them, you get significant and super important rewards. So uh, it's the, the progress track is valuable for getting... Uh, like really advancing your civilization, and that why that's important is because it can translate to obviously to points at the end of the game or yeah. another mode. We'll talk about modes later, but but, yeah. but also just to be able to do the things that you need to do. Um, and so you would think, okay, so all so mostly it's a race to move those satellites as far and as fast as you as you can. Nope, kinda. Except that at the halfway point, there is this little line across the thing. And right there, when one satellite crosses that line, um, half of your your uh, energy production, like when, when both you're able to access energy from the new world at that correct. Point. When both satellites have crossed that dividing line, you can only gain energy from the new world. Now the old world is no longer, and it's only from the new world. So that is the the point at which we have flipped the switch. And we are now new world economy hardcore right. for the rest of the game. So let me explain what that actually means for people listening who may, may be like, but I don't t- totally understand. Sure. Here's an example of why this is tricky. You want, you want to race up this progress track. And we'll explain how you race up it in, in a moment. But you want to race up this progress track because you want to access those advanced biomes. Because the sooner you can put your stuff down in those biomes, the sooner you can start your new world and everything will be wonderful. But if you shoot over there too quickly, then in the second, because you're like, oh man, if I can build in the forest in the second round or even the desert, wow, like this will just be so amazing for everything I want to do. But then all of a sudden, once you cross the halfway part of that pro- halfway part of that progress track, and you can no longer access the energy you're producing in the old world, and only the energy you're producing in the new world, you realize, oh no, I'm only producing like 
two pieces of energy in the new world. So I spent all this time racing to get to this far, but now because I, I only have anything. two energy, I can only take a certain number of turns. Yeah. And there's like this enormous push pull that happens because of this. And that is absolutely fascinating. Yeah. It's at the beginning, at the beginning of the puzzle. game, everybody starts with seven energy production, seven food production and seven materials or steel production in the old world. And there is, on the new world side, there is a slider which has your discs on it, and they all start at zero. When you transport things from the old world to the new world, you are flipping over discs in the old world. And those discs could represent two bits of population. They could represent one factory. They could Basically, those are the, the varieties of things that there are as you're moving over. When you flip them over, all of a sudden, now my income in the old world is five materials, four energy, right? It's going down. And those are things that you're transporting to the new world. You're putting colonists in the new world. You're putting factories in the new world. You are still going to have to spend steel to ship them down to the planet. You're still going to have to be spending and spending and doing things to set up that income in the new world. And sometimes, especially in the tundra, when I'm putting a disc down, a population disc down, it is going to give me one steel production, one food production. It's going to, it starts off slow. It starts off low. Mm -hmm. So that transition from a fairly prosperous old world that is dying to a new world that you're just trying to get a foothold in is absolutely fascinating, really, really nail biting. And is the reason that people say it's multiplayer solitaire, because for a while you're just trying to, do it. You're just trying to succeed yeah, is, in doing it, let alone in competing your first with anybody. Play, there's a lot of potential yeah. for just almost like abject failure. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, like, it, oh, I failed to launch. Honestly, I in, never in a splatter orbit. form. In, in, in a splat play too. Honestly, the game we were playing this week, I was failing. But one of the reasons why you fail is because you're always trying to go at it slightly differently, which is I think really probably one of the greatest aspects of this game is that you finish and you want to go back and do it better the next time. And so like that timing thing, we gave an example of, oh, this is what happens if you go too fast. The beginning is that you, so you go past this point where suddenly you don't have any energy to support future actions. But if you hold back too long, yep. then what happens is you might actually generate a lot of resources in the new world, but you can't really access them. That happened in our very first game, Tom. Remember, you, you generated a huge amount of energy that just sat there, yep. which maybe was good because later on you were eventually able to use it, but it wasn't helping you in your current game state. And so, like, and also, if you hold back, you don't cross, you know, shoot forward to the greater biomes, you know, you are, actions cost so much. Let me like back up. Actions cost so much with the energy. So when you just do a settlement action, which is to basically claim a hex on the new world, that's, you want to make the biggest bang for your buck with that. If mm -hmm. you can do with that one action, if you can raise your production two or three times or even four times, this, the efficiency of that action, being able to do that in the forest or the desert is so massively important. And if you're just doing like the tundra, little ones at, ones at a time, you are killing you're, you're like yeah. killing your 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 tempo and so you can't hold back too long because you are going to lose tempo 100 percent. let's just talk really quickly about how those satellites move so basically after the action phase is done and the action phase is done basically when people pass and i pass because i don't have the energy to take another action it would cost me three energy to take yet another action i don't have it i'm passing 
Once that happens, we do a transport phase where we're taking the ships from that we have purchased. We're spending energy to send them, and we're flipping over. Everything the, costs something. Everything costs something. Yep. We're flipping over the the discs of the old world, saying those people are, are traveling to the new world now, and we're putting discs and and squares down in the new world that represent the factories and well, people that's already happened, that, are, that but, have moved. But, but we're it, transporting, yeah. and now we're and now we're going to move the satellites. The satellites are going to move a number of spaces equal to the total value of the actions that you've taken. Point and that, value, and that yeah. point value, exactly. So if I played five actions, I played two actions that were a value one, one that was a value two. These are the, these are the slots that Trey talked about on the player board. Each slot has a different value. Correct. And listen, in our first game, we were playing a lot of one slot actions because guess what? You get an action and you get an extra resource cube and every resource cube is so precious in you this don't game. Know. Like it's like <laughs> it's des- by design yeah. the stronger actions have a lower progress value. And when the first game you're like I don't think we really cared that much no, until we until of, we saw oh we're still in the tundra. <laughs> we're like it's a numbers game. <laughs> we're landing in the baby part. We're like of the why planet. would they have why, yes. would they, why would they have a slot because you can do a technology action and get a resource for it for one progress point, or you can do it and get no resource for four. I'm like, well, why would you ever choose not to get the one resource? Like, of course you're going to get the, 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 the better version because that guy who did it is now building in the desert and nobody is competing for all of the great spaces that he is unlocking and, and, and building on which is a great, great tension of the game. In the advanced version of the game, the cards themselves have actions on them, so you kind of take bespoke actions that are only available on the card, and those have a wonderful calculus as well. Like, there are some very good actions that are worth zero progress points. There are some, like, oh... I can build a ship, but I have to pay two more metal to to be able to build Why it. Why would I? Ever Why do would that? I ever do that? Oh, six <laughs> progress. Yeah. Right. Oh wow! Holy oh, cow! This is so so the 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 calculus of these actions. We're just even still beginning to explore that. Yeah, yeah. And, we're just beginning. To and again, that. just as a reminder, where we're at so far in describing this is that when you take your action, you're considering what you need to do for just moving your economy you're considering what you need to do also in terms of like how far you want to get on this progress track and you're also considering a bonus that happens at the end of the year there is after everything is settled down at at the end of the year if you have like a certain number of progress points that you use on this track i suppose i suppose you didn't use more than six Right. You will get a very juicy bonus, and it's not insignificant. It could be like a free spaceship, which saves you a turn, and it saves you resources. That is huge. Or it could be like a settlement or whatever. You know, and then there's a there's a lower tier one, which is like maybe you used like eight or nine points of progress. And that's not as juicy as the original one, but it's still really important. They're not insignificant considerations. These are, not. They're all trade-offs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. These you, are all trade-offs. So like tough. If, if you're yeah. going really fast on that progress track, you're also like you could miss this free spaceship. And, and just to be clear, <laughs> and just to be clear, you have two satellites that you're going to have to be moving along the track, and the rule is that one satellite can never get two segments ahead of the other one which is to say that the the each section of the satellite movement has got around five or six spaces on it yeah and once you move that seventh space you cross a barrier and when you cross that barrier 
it's a barrier that often unlocks things. Like, okay, now you can build in the desert. Now you can build in the forest. Now you can do this. Or now now or, you can use energy from both the new world and the old world or so on and so forth. When you move the second one across that barrier, all of a sudden something else triggers as well. Well, the other thing is that like, so there, the barriers are actually called transitions in the game. And when you, mm-hmm. when you, in the beginning, the first transition you hit, you have to shut down some of your old world production. So all of a sudden your economy is forced to shrink. Almost immediately. Almost immediately. Yes. And then your second one goes With over no immediate and, benefit. It shrink, and it shrinks again. But then later da- later on, as your first satellite goes past a certain transition, oh, I can build in the, the deserts. But now as my second one goes by, I can like, the part that shut down now wakes up Reactivate again in the new it. world. So you're like motivated to get that second piece across. Cause I'm telling you, you want every little bit of production, but, but then by sending that across, then you are shutting down your energy in the, in the old world. It's like, I am, it's, it's so smart. It is so smart. I cannot believe. And this, this track. Is, yeah. The track is not like some kind like so many games like, have tracks. It's like the cult tracks where it like, what is this not like mean? Great exactly. Western trail, New Zealand with like the exploration, with like the parrot track. Yeah, no, this is these, these tracks literally wrap around from the old world and then wrap around the new world. And they really do represent like your commitment to the new colony. Yeah. I like to think of it again, cause I'm, too narratively focused is like okay these are the two satellites Mm -hmm. that are linking us from the old world to the new world so like one's facing backwards one's facing forward and they have to communicate with each other that's why they can't get too far away from each other and they do express like your economy you know we can get to a point in the game where one player's economy is now already relying much more heavily on the new world it's just low there versus someone else who's still trying to kind of pull as much resources as they can from the old world as they kind of make and then push hard later later on like these are all like kind of viable or part of the things that you're you're managing that that poses a really difficult question but this track is very dynamic like you said it's not just like some track as you go up it you get rewards it's a sexy track it's a sexy track it also it literally looks sexy but also like there are rewards on it and i feel like i remember initially i thought like this is sort of seems like an anemic track there's like a little bit of rewards but a lot of empty spaces but like the rewards are like perks you're really not focused on the rewards that much however you sort of are because one other element on this track is, um, yeah, you get fun stuff. Like if you're if you're lucky, you might get like a free tech upgrade. But there are these little icons on this progress track that basically like a sun and not really a moon, but we'll just say it look, looks like a moon for ease, like ease the of description. swirl of something. Yeah, there's like a, a, a yellow and a white thing. Yeah. And if your satellites are resting on those spaces, you can now settle better spots down on the new world. So. And we're competing over these spaces. And you're competing over these spaces. So, like, there's the, not only does this progress track affect the biomes you can go in, and not only does it affect which, where you can pull your energy from, and not only does it affect what your production is, and not only does it affect what feels like a million other things, your, your ability to get bonuses, it also affects where you can actually develop on the map. And the map is really where we see a lot of interaction. And so, what's significant about this is that when I, when I've first was reading stuff about the game people were saying oh it is it's mainly multiplayer solitaire because you know there's some jostling on the map but not a big deal and yet it's not like intense map play but once you start like even though there's a big map there are a lot of limiting factors on the spots that you want to go to it's not like oh i'll just take a spot it's like oh i have this icon and your satellites aren't in the right place your options are really limited but also you're looking around the table to say who else has these icons Mm -hmm. because now i'm in a race to get to that spot yeah let's talk about one thing Uh, this game does the thing that i generally don't like which is that it has a bunch of modules 
It has two different game modes. Yep. And I think our often our experience, we kind of say, just tell us how you want us to play yeah. the damn game. Yeah. All of these kind of optional things tend to be annoying. Um, here, it hasn't bothered me so much now that I understand the game better. Yeah. You know, first off, they they make they make a recommendation that for your first game, you play in what's called like what race mode, race mode, race yeah. mode versus that points actually mode. does bother me. The race mode. Uh, agreed. I think that that's that uh, of the, the the many things that you can mix into the game. The one that bothers me the most is the fact that they recommend starting in race mode because because you're cutting off a main part of the game when you do that, essentially what you're doing. What you're doing is, is you're turning turn four into a partial turn that is then going to suddenly trigger the end of the game. Whereas the real meat of the game is about having a full t- a full fourth turn to do as many of these, th- fourth round in right. which to so do the, as many of these things as you can. The game can kind of end prematurely in, in race mode, but it really is like, it's supposed to be a teaching mode. So like we're giving you permission to kind of skip this part, I think. Yeah. Um, the main thing that race mode does, which I think is the game is grabbing you by the scruff of your hair and forcing your face into the thing that really matters, people, is, is your production on the new world and it needs to be balanced. It's yes. not even it's not even that you need production. It's that the score in this game or what's really important is that you need to develop all three of these things because we're gonna look at the worst one that you've done, and that's actually what's gonna determine your right. score. That's what will end things in the race mode, but it'll also be kind of like the bulk I, of your score. I, I mean I think that the race mode, the benefit of race mode is that it does force you to look at production. I don't know if it's really I still don't think it's effective. And the reason why is this the game the way the race mode works is the first person to get production of those three main resources, steel, energy, and food at level eight in the new world um, on, triggers the end game. And then we all look at who has the lowest production and there's like some scoring, but it's like, but what happens is that like you said, Tom, we spend so much of this game, the folk, the narrative focus and the play focus and everything is about dismantling an engine and starting a new engine. And here we are in the fourth round and you've gone through the hardest part of the game. And now you're like, okay, my engine seems to be alive right now. And the new world, I've gotten into a pretty good place. Now I just have to like get this stuff in order if I can, or from behind, like what can I do to get myself caught up with everyone? And then the game just ends before you can do that. So you're not getting the payoff of like, if, if the whole hook of this game is that you have a U-shaped engine, starts off big, gets small, gets big again, and you yeah. cut it off before you can really get to that big place or feel the, the rewards. You the may place. never play again. You may never play again. So yeah. that is totally like, so yes, it may focus you on the production, but what's the point if people come out with a mediocre experience from race mode? I, I got to believe that that's something that came out of playtesting because this game is very challenging. They may have found that the first play was just too hard for a lot of players. And so they needed to simplify it and kind of focus play. There's a hump to get yeah. over here. And this was their answer. I think we're saying don't do that. At the same time, I'm not sure we would say, hey, play with all of the optional modules on your first play either. I would. Or would you? I would. I don't think that the, the two optional modules. Are there any modules we haven't played with yet? No. Uh, one, technically, which is strict rewards for the bonuses. So yeah, the bonus we talked fun. about, I'm not even, it's not even worth talking about here. But I think that the, the two bonus modules are you can put up some... P- uh, public goals, which I think is easy rules overhead. A lot of people who play these sort hard of games, actions, 
card actions. Card actions. Uh, yeah, it's it's funny because I so don't think there's, there's three actually because there's the yeah and there's line majorities. A line majorities. Line yeah. majorities are very simple to add, and it basically says you look at the this planet full of hexes, and whoever has the most you know hexes settled Presence. in in yeah. this line versus that line, they'll get some extra points. I think that's good. It just makes that map a little. Just adds more. Decisions makes the game to the map. much more interactive. It does. Like, it's a yeah. simple thing, but I, I think w- w- once you've played a couple of times, you throw down these those go I first. line Honestly, majorities. I would just put them in right from the get. I don't yeah. think I don't. It's I not think hard. This is a you know. Yes, your first play is going to be tough. Yeah, but better to throw you into the deep end. Yeah. In this the, game. the the thing you're already playing yes. the game, you can handle the line majorities. I think that to speak for the three of us, I believe that what we would say is that at the end of the day, our druthers would be. That you play only points mode. Yep. Yep. That you immediately add the line majority unit. I might not you, do card actions first time. I might not. Do no, no, no. no. I'm not, uh, that's what I'm about to yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say uh, the second thing you add into every play is the group goal. Is the the, the you three have group goals and you have individual rewards. The, the three mm-hmm. goal, the three right. group goal Which you things. Draft. We haven't even right? talked about that. And that is the that is the main way you play, and you learn the game that way. And then later on, you can add in the action card, the advanced action card rule, which is the action cards and maybe individual rewards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. I thought. Can we talk about? Let's yeah. talk about those advanced cards. Sure. So we the last game we played mainly the basic without the advanced actions. And My the first basic, two plays were without the cards. Yeah. It's like so you you heard I played it five times. Four of those times were just basic. Um and by the way, on the basic mode, the game this is not like this is not like kid gloves. It the game no. is hard. It works. I I was I really enjoyed the advanced cards. I don't I th- I think it could go either way. Um I what I liked about the advanced cards was it created a new tension for me that I was not expecting, which is that the cards are really good. And you see the cards in your hand. Think of it like underwater cities. You have your cards. You would play your card. You draw a new one. And you you have these cards. And you think, oh, I could synergize all these things because this card lets me settle and then do a prefab factory. And this card says, if you have a prefab factory, get this. And this card says, if you have this thing, then build a guest spaceship. You line up your three cards. Like, I'm going to do all these things. This will be great. But what we haven't talked about is that this game has very rigorous feed your people kind of demands. Like at the beginning of the year, you, you need to feed people on the old planet in the new planet. You need to have stadiums at this Keep time. Happy. Yeah. <laughs> there are things that you need to do. And what happens is when you are playing these advanced actions, it's like, Oh, this is fun. I can synergize all these cards, but it's often at the expense of ignoring all the things the game wants you to do. Yep. And so deciding how to balance that was exceedingly difficult for me and on top of that like you said before a lot of those actions have low progress points so you're not doing the progress card so i thought it added for sure a major challenge like i was i'm I glad terribly. i didn't have that my first play though it would have been too much yeah, too much i, I think it would have been too, this game listen i love the decision space yeah it also can be um, analysis paralysis producing, which we will get to in a few, in a couple minutes when we talk about the the negatives. Because I because I do want to say one thing about the so there is a game that I love that has an advanced mode which has uh, action cards that are unique to to people's play. Uh, that's El Grande, mm-hmm. right? El Grande, the base game. All right. Uh, there are five things you can do, and everybody's choosing between them. In the in one of the expansions, you can choose your own hand of cards, and that card that that is both going to be your bid and the special action that you're going to take. Once you've played the game a lot, 
every once in a while playing with that deck is amazing. It's wonderful. It's a it's a very rich play space. It doesn't say that I don't ever want to go back and play the base way. The base way is still awesome. I feel the exact same way about this. I think that for all of the fun of those advanced cards, and they are, they're fun, they're interesting, they add extra choices to the matter, they actually add a little dimension, um, I didn't feel that the play of the game was that different. Mm-hmm. I felt like, oh, this is just, this is something that is maybe adds another 10 to 20% to the decision space, mm-hmm. right? But it's still essentially the same decisions, yeah, the same struggle, the same, the same battles. And just, yeah, and it, it just, adds a hand management thing right. that yes. wasn't there before. I, I, one of the experiences I had in our last game where we played with this was I got a, a card in my initial draw that I was essentially saving to play in round four. Mm, like that was tough. cool. That's tough. Yeah. It was well, it was manageable, but I, but like it was a major part of my plan. Right, and I, I could plan for my late game of like I'm going to be able to jump ahead one biome, so I can plan my contracts of like I know I'm going to be able to get a forest right. even if I don't get past the desert. Yep. I've got this card that's going to allow me to do it. I had that too, and, uh, uh, and that failed. felt cool. <laughs> but it felt cool. Like I, right. I did I pay a little bit of a cost by carrying it in my hand over that period? Maybe, but that was a decision for me to make. So and, I, I liked that hand. And I had the underwater stuff. cities experience, which I often have, which is like, okay, I've got these cards. I'm gonna play them one, two, three. No problem. And then you're like, oh, something came up. Okay, so I'll do play them one, two, and then I'll do this thing, and I'll play card number three. And then, oh, no, something else came up. And then I've got this one card <laughs> that was going to be just like magical in my first round. And then all of a sudden we're around three. I don't need it anymore. Everything's destroyed, um, <laughs> which I think is funny, too. Which, uh, which, by the way, speaks to, like, if this was truly a multiplayer solitaire game, then you would have your hand of the four cards, yeah. and you'd be like, okay, I'm going to play this one, then this one, then this one, then this one. Yep. And that's what you would do. And nope. no, that is not the way it happens. <laughs> no. I have, I'm playing this one, and I believe I'm going to play this one, and this one, and this one, and then the situation has changed. I don't know if I want any of these three other cards that I have. I'm in. I'm in deep, deep, right. doo doo. And just and to be clear, you can always take your card and just take the basic action. You can Correct. Always, exactly. Right. Yes. It's just these are all usually like slightly better. And and by the way, I would say that one third to one half of the time I was taking basic. And actions. I was I was flogging the advanced cards, but I was also in such a pit of hell. I was doing so badly. I was suffering. I was and and what's interesting about this game too. You mentioned sequencing. It is a game of sequencing. And what I like is that all this stuff we're talking about is built on very, very, very simple actions. Mm-hmm. You know, the actions are something like um, uh, buy a spaceship. You spend resources and you take a spaceship. There are things like buy a stadium, spend resources, you get a stadium. There are things like buy, claim a, uh, an infrastructure car, like very, very simple things. But how you order them is really where there's so much intrigue. And I think what's What's also cool is we haven't even fully scratched the surface of like how how we can really push the 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 limits of how we order things. Like I was listening to was it the Friendly Ties podcast where someone mentioned that a player built all their spaceships but then didn't send any of them over until the last round from the old world to the new world. And that's something I've thought about. And like it's and they said that the player actually had like a very competitive second place. And I love that this game 
can actually let you play around with concepts like that. Like you just think, okay, well, you got to move things over like every round. Take yeah, advantage, I have no but, confidence that I know the right like, way to there do might anything. Be, there yeah. might be a, there might be a strategy where you it, just do a big spamming at the end. I don't know. The, in order for that to work, cause I'm thinking, thinking it through, you would have to make sure that one of your satellites doesn't cross the midpoint until the last round. Which means that your other satellite can't go past the next point, which means you're restricted to desert and lower until the very last round. But you're also emphasizing the actions that do prefabbing factories and you are uh, buying quote unquote clones. So you're you're using actions that we have in the game that maybe are not like actions I use a lot, but maybe in a different strategy, some they become huge. Well, I don't know where those resources coming from, you know? Yeah. I mean... It, it, uh, I but I, I could I could see I could see how you, could, you could do, do it. it. But I'm also picturing here are the blockades. Here's the reason that's not the dominant play style because of because of Listen, these. You're things. not going to have any negatives with that strategy, right? Because you'll completely evacuate the old world, and there's some a lot of negatives associated with. It. If you don't get your people out, there are bad negatives well, at the end of the game. Yeah. So listen, when you send a ship. Um, in one round, it's now in the new world, and you can send it back, mm-hmm. right? On the next, so so ships that leave in rounds one and two can have two two trips basically right. mm-hmm. by playing the strategy where you can only play the ships once. You're essentially taking assets that you've paid for and getting half use out of them to some degree. Right, so yeah. you're not buying but, those but, ships in the first two rounds. But if, if you're you, doing this weird strategy, but it. if you have a if you have a resource surplus that that if you're using a ship going back and forth, you're also using energy energy that you'd use for actions. Correct. So you are saving on energy by not sending them. And if you have like a whole bunch of resources in the old world, then you can do it. Yeah, but but three let's say three metal and two energy each time, right? That is you. What you that is spending. You're getting two trips for three energy uh, for four well, energy. Either way, either we're way, getting, we're getting into the we're getting either, way, either way. The point is, let's talk the about game, the negatives. The game has the building blocks to change around stuff like that. And um, wait, before we get into negatives, sure. which, this may actually be a transition to the negative for okay. you guys. I don't know, but I do also want to talk about the tech tree in this game, mm-hmm. which we, I we didn't touch that. Yeah, I actually really like it. I don't want to like lose focus of it because there are four tech sets of tech tiles yeah. that um, each player gets one it's random and then you sort of scramble them and which by the way the is the same as nucleum it's a, it's a it's an interesting new development where rather than having randomized sets where you, there are basically there are four players in the game there's an a b c and d set essentially you get randomly selected one of those and those are your techs for the game right but the difference here though is that nucleum feels much more directed to me i don't know i like this better than nucleum this was i think this was interesting it's like a yeah. small little design choice but um, I thought it's like an impactful one. Basically, in everyone's set of tiles, you have three level ones, three level twos, and three level threes. And you you have all the level ones are on one row, level twos are on the next row, level threes are on the next row. So you basically wind up having with three columns. And since they're randomized within their group, sometimes the level one technology that says you get to do this thing then leads to a different, goes to one technology, but in a different game, it might lead to a different technology because the tiles are scrambled. And so you have this, you have these tech trees that are the, in their own set, they are the same, but your paths through them change. And I Inevitably, really enjoy that. Some things are going to line up or you're going to yeah. see some opportunities and then that's going to affect, give you a, just a little bit of a push 
in a certain direction, especially once you start selecting your individual endgame scoring goals. Yeah. You know, so you're already early on, in an almost like a Gricola fashion, you're developing a little bit of a plan from the very beginning of the game. Yeah. Yeah. I really well, enjoy it. To, to wit, I would say that I think that a variant of this game should be that you you choose the placement of your tech tree. But I think my, the only problem with that is that I think you might be compelled to do the same. Then there's a right way. The same thing over and over again. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, it would it, be, it, be more powerful when you can line yeah. up things with. It depends on your personal. It depends on your personal goals that you have in front of you. First of all, so True. that might change very much the. This the is output. part of the replayability, and I, and I also think that what we think are the best tactiles in future plays may not be the best tactiles. Yeah. Absolutely, what some everybody has the. You may settle an ocean tile early. Yeah, that's early. a level three tactile. And, really do, and doing one. a level three tactile is actually quite hard in the game. That's. What is it's that? not that it's five hard, tech actions. Five different tech actions. Time. Yeah, but those. Those those water tiles are so good that it. But racing to that is totally viable. Yeah, basically, a, a, an ocean tile is effectively approximately five different uh, points worth of really uh, economy in and the, by the, way, in the what's, new world. And what's good about this te- these tech trees is that like they are the way I think a, a good tech tree is, which is that you look at them and you go, "Oh my god, this must be broken." Like you know, you look at someone else, you can do that. That must be broken. I mean, in my case. In the last game we played, I actually did break it because I put my level three on level one. So when you guys were like, that seems so strong, I was like, uh-uh. And then you guys were like, Ben, that's a level three on your like, first technology. Ben, why are there three dots on that one? <laughs> but uh, like, it gives you all the joy that you want from a tech tree. I think it's a really cool system. Yeah, I agree. You know, it doesn't have hard asymmetry the way like Terra Mystica Correct. does. But the little bits of asymmetry, especially with the, the different modules for setup and the individual rewards it seems like you end up with a lot of actual motivations to do to play differently than other people from the get-go yeah so this to me seems like there's some high replayability potential in this game. absolutely yeah exactly all right so what are your challenges tom yeah so you know so obviously it sounds like i'm very positive about the game there are a few negatives so negative number one is the the, the one we basically already said, uh, this game is prone to analysis paralysis. If you have a lot of analysis paralysis, um, people are going to get, look, sometimes people are going to get mad at Trey because he takes a very long time to take his turns because we're just trying to figure out what's going on here. Uh, that is just the nature of the beast. It is, you are trying to manage five different aspects of the game just to get your population from this planet to that planet. And it is hard. I think the thing you're... Okay, fair. Okay. Yes, yes, and. That that was fair. <laughs> I think the, the actual time that I slammed into the wall in our last game, which is I was trying to turn in a reward tile, and I had misread it. Yeah. Okay. And so much of my plan had been based upon fulfilling this reward tile. 100%. And That's then tough. and it was like, no, you can't do that. Right. Then that was that had to be a complete mental yeah. reset of like, oh, okay, okay. That's no, you not, have to redo your whole plan. I have to redo my whole plan yeah. in yeah, that yeah. moment. And everyone, yes, is waiting. It's like, okay, I'm definitely going to have to take a, a, a moment here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, but I would just say... Sorry for the slam. It's a joke, but the reality is, is that no, if, if you're if we you're stopped, AP, we stopped for like five minutes. There was a, there was a time. There, there was some time. time at that. But like it, I'm generally like sometimes I'll be like I know exactly what I'm doing next, but a lot of times, especially with the advanced cards, I am I am going back and forth between my, my sequencing so hard that I'm like. I'm not even paying attention. Sometimes. I'm taking my energy cubes. I'm putting them on the ship just so I know you can't use those. Yep. 
Make sure you know you can't use right, those. Sometimes, sometimes you have to pluck I'm, them off that ship because you're like, well, maybe I just don't have to send. This I'm moving ship over. a steel resource over to the side because I absolutely have to use it for this one thing and not for that thing. And and you know, which kind of brings me to the second thing. The game is a little fiddly. The game is a little, a little. fiddly. I have found that I am spending this for this. I'm spending that for that. And don't forget, you're also spending. It's your fourth action, so you're also spending two energy for that. Mm. Um, there have been a number of times where I have lost track of what I was spending and was no yeah, longer... Did I spend my energy? Yeah. Correct. Was no longer 100% sure that I am playing the game correctly and that I have I've spent what yeah, I need to spend. We, should we take the energy and place it on our actual like action track? To, uh, that's a really good idea. I think that, we should. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a, a way to track it. Yeah, it's easy to forget. I know what you mean. And the, especially the rule, like a lot of the things in the game, the rewards that you get require that the resources be spent from the new world. Correct. That's going to be something on your first play people are going to get wrong. And here's an... Here's an Here's more of an outright negative for me because that that point I I agree with, but it's like it's just like a minor quibble. It doesn't actually impact my enjoyment. But I think that the um, some of the iconography in terms of reminding you when things must come from the new world versus the old world. Like there are these infrastructure cards which are very important that you sort of like they're kind of like contracts which we didn't even talk about, but they actually also really impact the map play of the game because a lot of times with these cards, just a quick tangent here. These cards will do something like have built a factory and have some people out in the tundra and they have to be in a diagonal line with each other. And if you do that, you have food production. You get a bonus food production. And it's just a good way to get some like passive production up. But then like that makes your your what you're doing on the map. It focuses you. It focuses you, but yeah. also then it's like Oh, there's all these spaces, but because of this infrastructure card, there's really only one space that I need that I must have. And then, oh no, Trey just went there. <laughs> Every everybody listening to me right now, do not sleep on the infrastructure cards. Don't. Do not sleep. <laughs> They're on, a really important part of your tempo. The yep. main uh, one of the main things in the game is new world production, and anything that boosts new world production more than the other right. guy is going to be a huge tangible advantage to you in the game. It is going to allow you to move your satellites ahead faster, to switch your economy over to the new world yes. faster, and it, it is it, it just it multiplies your benefits in the latter half of the game. So anyway, but but this infrastructure cards, you can only build them by spending resources that come from the new world. I don't know if we explicitly said this, but when you get resources that are generated from the new world, they go to the left, they go to one side of your player board yeah. and old world goes to another side. You actually have two pools of resources. Yeah. Which, and actually the boards, the reason he's not saying left and right is the boards flip over. So depending on which side of the table you're, you're sitting on, um, you're, Placing you're oriented your, your, from old world to the new world. Correct. Yeah. That way you can always be consistent. So Trey and I are facing each other. Our boards look opposite because my old my old world is on my right side and my new world is on my left. Yeah, that's a it, smart it the design. It's just smart. a design feature. But the but the point is though, with some of the things, there's no clear indication. Like okay, this must come from this world, and uh, that has frustrate some people especially if they have planned their entire turn to spend that yeah. one steal from the old world and a few so little things, like, things like the the you can't have two infrastructure cards with the same art on it yeah and little uh, things and like also that. like the rule book the rule, rule book is by and large good but when it comes to the tectiles they could have done a better job in um giving a fuller explanation. A fuller explanation for a lot of those tech We've stumbled over a few of the tech tiles and how they actually play out a few times. Yeah. We had to go, like, I went, I spent some time in BGG and just, like, looking at all the rules and looking at the clarifications. So that way I could answer questions. But, like, 
there are just certain things that like, you know, it should be cleaned up just, you know, maybe in a, in a later edition, they can clean up some of that just to make it since there's so much going on and you're, you really are like, there's, there's no room for error when you play that. Like the last thing you want is like your entire plan to be destroyed because you misinterpreted an ambiguous tile. Yeah. You know? The player aids are quite good. Yes, they are. They work. Yeah, they work well. I have, but here's my question. Like, I think this is a wonderful game. And what I'm surprised at is why it's not been universally embraced. I have seen several and I've I've seen and heard several reviews and I've spoken to people who've been like, it was fine. It was okay. We as a game group have not been unanimous about this game, have no. we? No. no. Uh, Jordan actually, he says it's fine. I think actually we've been largely positive. The three of us actually really obviously enjoy it. Matt's, I think Matt said he thinks it might be one of Suhi's best. Paul said it, it, he thinks it's I think Suhi's, this best. Is Suhi's best. Yes. Um, uh, I think David likes it quite a bit. I don't know who else has yeah. played it, but so, um, but, but Candace, I think was more like, I may be speaking incorrectly, but I think Candace was like, it was good. Um, there are a lot of people who are like, it was fine. And I wonder if that has to do with race mode. Um, I won. I, I don't know. I don't know why. I think it's, it's not- okay. I'm going to, I'm going to guess. I think the game's hard. Like it's a hard game. And that might, if that's not fun, like the first time I played this, it was very stressful, but Jordan likes hard games. Yeah. I can't, I can't speak for he Jordan. Said, yeah. I can't speak. I mean, is, I, it, I didn't, is it that you have to take a turn not, faster than not, 16 hours? <laughs> Fair. I'm with you. Um, after my first play, I was really excited about this game, but I also had not exactly experienced what I would call fun. Like it was yes. stressful to play this game. And so like there are cer- certainly games that do not agree with my nervous system. Captain yeah. Sonar kind of being an yes. example, you know, like some things just don't, f- don't translate to fun to my nervous system. This one almost was like too stressful to be fun, mm. and but, I, some reviews that but say I got that. over the hump. Yeah. I got over, you know what happened to me in this last game? Um, it's something that I haven't experienced, or it feels like an Age of Steam moment, mm. which is like you, when you get beat up by Age of Steam in your first couple of two, three plays, and then you get to that point where like, oh, I'm moving into profitability. Rather than owing yeah. money at the end of the round, I'm actually making money. And like whether you win or lose at that point, you've kind of like achieved a minor mm. victory, and you're like, yes, I am over the economic hump. Like I had that happen in the last game where I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to win this, but like I'm looking going into my final round. I've got good new world production. I'm going to be able to do five or six actions. I'm going to do a lot of things and like, okay, game well played. You did it. You know, like it was that, that was kind of like the reaction that, and that was very attractive. Like, oh, I want to, now I really want to get even better at at, at this game. That's, that's where my headspace is. I think this game gets better the more you play it. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a difficult hump. But like, I but get over it. And the first game, the first game I played, I enjoyed it. I was like, "This is fun," but I didn't have what I like to call the tingles, which is like that feeling when yeah. your heart kind of speeds up a little bit. You feel like this sort of like a tension. It's, like, it's a mixture of excitement and dread and all these things and stress in your chest, and you're just like, like I didn't feel that the first time I played. It. I was more like, "This is interesting. It's fun. Okay, cool, neat game." But the second time, it was like an exponential increase in fun mm. because the first game, I do think you are getting you're you're just getting a lay of the land, and then the second game, you realize all the things you actually really need to do to succeed. Like the first game, you don't fully, I think, appreciate the progress. And you, track. And you also like you can hit the wall, like you can I did, fail to launch. Right, I did, I did perfectly nicely in my first game. I didn't win, but 
it was more like the first game is what made me realize everything I need to do. And the second game is where it really was like, oh, now that I know what I have to do and I know how little time I have to do like this, like the urgency kicked in and it was tremendous fun for me. It reminded me actually of Fields of Arl in that way. The first time I played field, first few times I played Fields of Arl, I was like, this game's nice, but it's like wide open. I'm just doing stuff. But then as you start to realize how few actions you have in that game, and in this game, you realize like, oh, I've got to do a lot of stuff and not a lot of time. Everything's and precious. I, it, yeah. Like a, it comes into like stark relief, you know? Yeah. I, I think, I believe that we have not, nobody playing this game yet has prioritized happiness as much as you should to be able I to haven't. play this, to play this well, to play this well. Happiness. And I think um, early, finding the early infrastructure cards, I think is the other thing that people mm-hmm. have not been, not been doing. I, th- I think I've done fairly well in my plays of this game. And you have, uh, yeah. and I think part of the reason is, is that I, I recognized quite early on that those were two clear difference makers that if you can get ahead on those two races, but the game becomes always. much easier. No, not, not always. You know what? Those infrastructure cards, you have to also be smart in how you choose them because I have done things where I've t- taken infrastructure cards and I've not it. been able yeah. to play them, and that's a wasted action. Well, that's why I'm saying that that, yeah, that no, it's, the the choice of the cards it's is a the big important deal. thing. It's not. Yeah. I do not mind spending one steel to sweep those cards and deal out a new hand of cards for that. Yeah, right. Especially if you're, pay, you're paying play. from the old world, that's that's not so bad. It's not horrible. Yeah, I've certainly been in the game where I've seen one of those infrastructure cards come up, and I'm like, "That's the one I want." Mm. And then watch another player snap it up. Me, yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> and it, but like, that's a highly interactive moment. It's like those cards end up determining a lot of it, what you're going to do. Yeah. And so you it's, need to get stuff yeah. that is achievable, and then you need to carry it out, and you need to carry it out quickly. Yeah. Well, it's too, interactive. Like, it's a tempo choice. Yeah. It's interactive in that there's an urgency of like when you're doing your actions, you have to say, I need that before someone else gets it. I would not, in all fairness, say it's interactive in that I'm looking at everyone's boards necessarily. I'm saying, oh, wow, Trey is, uh, it matters to Trey that he needs these things. So he'll probably take that card. But it does happen every now and then. And in fact, the very first time we played, Tom made a great move where you were settling in the tundra and you had all these places to, to settle and you looked at my infrastructure card, which I had foolishly played <laughs> ahead of time and he saw what was the most ideal spot for me and he just went and took it. And I was like, well, now that is, inter- now that is interactive right there. Yeah, yeah. And now I was like, that was very exciting that you did that. Yeah, that was very mad. Uh, but I was happy. You were happy because you showed out of the gate that this is not multiplayer solitaire. No, no. And by the way, when you take infrastructure cards, they're all face up. You can see what they are. I think that the rule should be that you leave them face up in front of you. Mm-hmm. Ben, I've only played this game at four. Have you played it at any other player counts? I've only played it at four and three. Mm-hmm. Um, I have not played it at two. Uh, when you play it at two, it's scale. The, the scaling is pretty minimal. Basically, well, they turn off one of the... Did, didn't one, you and I play at three? Yeah, like. that was our first game. Yeah, we played, it, we played it at three. I thought it was very good at three. Yeah. I did not notice a difference. I noticed no difference. I think that... There's I, a little bit... Well, okay. So the new world is a little more wide open. Yeah. You can definitely build in more less, places. Less elbows. A little bit less elbows. Yeah, I'm that's for sure. I'm but not, surprised not that uh, the the hexes don't scale down a little bit. But maybe the idea is that like it does. There's still so few really good hexes that yeah. like no matter whether it's three players or four players, you're all vying for the same awesome hexes. The best ones, yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, player count so far between three and four has. Yeah, I also felt like it was fine. I think I think four in two player the they turn off the second track, uh, yeah. the second satellite track. Yeah, that's. 
yeah, they they turned that four off. Four players this week. So we can't really speak to it yet. I mean, but it plays fine at four. And I haven't it did not, it was not an especially long game. Like not short. But, no, it's, but not not a, long. it's not two, a, two and a half hours. Yeah. It's manageable. Mm-hmm. It's, and yeah. like we've talked about the AP here. Like to me, those decisions are like that's exactly where I want to be thinking of all these balancing things. So I'm not sure that's a negative. And again, so and it's not playing too long. It doesn't no. overstay its welcome. Yeah. When I look at a Suhi game now, I always ask myself, is this so I love one of his very first design shipyard. Nice. I would play shipyard almost any time. I love that game. Absolutely. I really, really enjoy it. Um, Underwater Cities is a game that I don't play very often, but I always enjoy it when I play it. Love it. But then there's also games like Messina, which uh, I came away from my first plays of that game. And I'm like, that's a freaking genius design. And it, I stand that's, by that's that. Really it's a brilliant design. But it didn't stand the test of time. It, it wasn't one of these Was games that, right? that I wanted to come back to uh, uh, again and again. And I wonder, you know, when I see Jordan, you know, just just you know, with a plate full of meh in front of him when we're play- <laughs> when we're playing it, I'm like, is it going to be that? Is this going to be one of those things that it's a great puzzle, it's a really hard yeah. game now, but over time, it's gonna it, it the, the the luster is going to fade, and it's not going to be in the mm-hmm. you know in the occasional rotation that we want a great game to be in. And I don't, I don't know. I would so. say that I think. I'm probably 80-20 that I think this is a game that's, that is going to stand the test of time and we're going to want to play, you know, like every I'm in every the honeymoon year. phase. I'm, right. Jordan never got to a honeymoon. I know. True. This, and I'm still in the bad honeymoon date. phase. Yeah. He, had a, he, had, he had two bad dates. He, he tried to give it a second shot, but he just didn't it just didn't work. He, you know, I, I think there was no X factor for him, maybe. I think that he may have said that at one point, which Look, I get that. I think he came on that second date reluctantly. And it was a date I with think, us. So I think you know. it, I think I just think that he he came in there yeah. and he he you know he said all the right things, but his heart wasn't it from the get go. And be, I don't know if that's a that's given a the people shot. that self select for our podcast though. Yeah, like, like I think this is a game for our audience. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Although there were people in our Discord that were like played it, it was fine. Okay. And so like I really I can't tell. I yeah. What's that? Think, well, let's let's try, as we go forward, maybe we'll get some more yeah. insight into that. Yeah, uh, I, I don't. I will say this. I will say that we play a lot of economic games where you're building an economic engine, right? There's a lot of games where you're 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 starting with next to nothing and you're building up to something big. This is a game that that takes that dynamic and turns it on its head and does something very different in which you start with a lot of resources to do a lot of things that you have to do. But over the course of the game, you're going to be dismantling an engine and then rebuilding it. Yeah. And that that's unique is unique. Yeah. It is very, very different. It uses a lot of the same skills that you've learned in other games. It has a lot of those feelings that you have in the other games, but it presents a very unique challenge and in a unique way. And I think for that reason alone, I think it belongs on a lot of people's shelves. Yeah, I think it's I think it's an exemplary game. Like my my sort of final thoughts on this because yeah, sure. we're sort of a, there's nothing yeah, let's get there. there's not much else really to say variability I think by the way variability I feel like is I think actually variability is pretty high because you're and that actually weaves in I'm not sure it's that high well the reason why I say it's high is because it weaves into one of the things I love about it which I alluded to before which is that I want to keep going back and doing better yep. I want to keep digging in and playing with it there's so many variables. One wrong step and you are in a world of hurt. And I think, by the way, I think the hurt is hilarious in this game. The last game we played, you heard me moaning. The entire, I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, no, this isn't working. Now, this isn't working. For some people, that's going to be like, 
I hate this game. Like mm-hmm. this feels like work. I right. can't get anything going. This is misery. I think it's like, it's like, oh no. And then that went wrong. And then that went wrong. And everything's falling apart. If you can find the comedy in that, I think you'll have a really good time too, because there are plays where you're in the tempo and like, it's like you're riding those waves and everything's great. And everything's sort of like going, you may not win, but like things are moving and there are games where you're like, oh, no, you know, you're always like one cube short of something and everything. It's like a domino effect, you know, you know, along those lines, maybe what, the progress track, the first time you played this, like I barely got halfway down the progress track and you're like, how does anyone ever get to the end? And some of that is skill, but some of that is also like, oh, you're not playing with the advanced cards yet. So like your first play, you might feel like, oh, I barely even got... I or maybe you just, are playing with advanced cards and you're doing a lot of low actions. Yeah, Maybe, I mean, maybe. I, the farthest I ever got... it seemed like there were parts of that game that I, ne- I haven't even come close to accessing. Yeah. I had both... Don't feel bad. I had both satellites in the final section of the map... Of the previous game. In a non-special card game. In a in a regular in a regular card game, yep. it was just legitimately from the get go. That's because just, you're a genius. Yeah. Well, you no, are. no, no. I, I think but, it's well. I think it's a combination of two things. First of all, it's realizing that you get you take the exact same action for the four advancement space as you do for the one advancement space. The only difference is you don't get that extra cube. And if you can forego that extra cube, that four movement that's a lot of progress. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a lot of progress. It's a big, big deal. And then the other thing is to look at the rewards that are offered each year and say, is that really so great? Mm. Is that really so great versus what I could get by getting my satellite way the heck down the field? Yeah. yeah. And but sometimes, you know what, yeah. I, I'm going to amend what I said because I was making a pitch that this game, you are going to want to go back and, and play it and, and really dig deep. Yeah. That may not speak to variability. That may speak to replayability. Mastery. Yeah. Uh, mastery. So the you know the variability maybe is not like hugely different, but right. it's it's good and it's enough. Like between the goals, between the tech trees, between the bonuses, uh, it's enough. Like I I have personal goals, public goals. It's enough that I felt like every game has had a different kind of vibe to it. So I I'm happy with the variability personally. Yeah. Um. But anyway, my my but my final thought really is that where I think this game is tremendous. Um, and where I think it is different than the other Suhi games and where I think it is actually where it kind of separates itself from the pack of a lot of the, the hot games this year is that this game is not concerned with how well we tangle with the gimmick. You know, like if I'm going to use um, Woodcraft as an example, mm. Woodcraft, the gimmick is the dice slicing the dice and you got like this big rondelle. How well in that game you are trying to figure out how do I navigate this this mechanic how do i navigate these things and turn that into victory this game is is saying not like how well do you tangle with a mechanic this game is saying how do you approach the way you play this game Mm -hmm. how do you want to how do you want to play this game that is how you it's like a it's like a deeper fundamental approach to it like it's not about like oh there's this cool thing there's a cool deck building thing there's a cool dice drafting thing and like how are you going to figure that out figure out that puzzle it's like no here is a game how are you going to approach it what is going to be the priority for you this and game and that's a pretty big space it's a big space but it's also it's so that's such a rich thing that like i think it's i i think it's and, and on top of that, the fact that the game is so smart in its design, the progress track, the way it inter- it's interwoven with how you build on that map, the way you take your actions, 
I don't know. I think it's I think it's a, a an amazing game. Tom, any final thoughts? Yeah, I'm a Suhi fan. I, I've always been a, a Suhi fan. I, I didn't love Praha. Um, I'm not I'm not nearly as big in, in Underwater Cities fan as a lot of people, but I've been I've been shouting out this guy's name for a very very long time, going all the way back to Shipyard. Um, and when he puts something together that has so many strong qualities and really try, really does something different. I think the, the deconstruction and reconstruction of an econ- economic system is something I haven't seen really in any game. Uh, that excites me. That excites mm-hmm. me. And uh, I, so far, five plays in or something like that, uh, it's been fairly bulletproof. You know, I... I, I Need to find a way to track things better, so the the the, the fiddliness of the the, the different elements uh, gets a little more clear for me. But that's really more my problem than it is the the game's problem in and of itself. Uh, I think this is a keeper. I, th- I really really like this game. That's one of those ones like a lot of games get better when you put them on BGA. Yep. Yeah. yeah. This one so like that one. might take care of a lot of that stuff. Um, I have not been a huge Suhi fan. I think this is his best game by far. This is a big recommend from me. This is going to be on my best of 2023 list mm. at, when we when we do that yeah. next year. All right. So we're at the end. Go enter our contest. Contact at GameBrainPod.com. Put contest in the subject line. Do it now. Do it now. All right. And let's cue that music. You, you want to do it? Yeah. Are you ready, are you ready to say I'm the ready, things? I'm ready let's to say the things. Well, here we go. You have been listening to Game Brain, produced and edited by Matthew Robinson, Tom Donnelly, Trey Alsop, and Ben Mandelker. Special thanks to Daedalus for our incredible music. More on Daedalus at GameBrainPod.com. And thanks to Edamar Peleg for our incredible graphics. Be sure to check him out on Instagram at at Kerbaloni or on his website, Kerbaloni.com. You can reach us by email at contact at GameBrainPod.com. Thanks for listening and go play some games with friends. Or go make some friends with games.